to Totalus Rankium. This week, John F. Kennedy, part two. Welcome to American Presidents Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob ranking all of the presidents from Washington to Biden. And this is episode 35.2. It's the second part of JFK. Ah, oh, brilliant. I can't wait to find out what happens. Uh, anything could happen, Jamie. Anything. I'm hoping nice long retirement. I think so. That's yeah. what I'm guessing. Yeah. But before we start, before we, we, we finally <laughs> get, get JFK done... Um, <laughs> Uh, birthday shout out to one of our listeners, listener Chris. Oh, Jamie's just got something. There we go. <laughs> why, why do you know how to play that on the penny whistle? Do you do it to your class? I can't play on the penny whistle. None of that sounded anything like the notes. So I just did the, the rhythm with my mouth. It, it sounded beautiful to me, Jamie. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. But any music you play always does. Apart yeah, from that old keyboard. <gasps> I threw that away. Yeah, I know. I'm still very sad about that. Anyway, right. Mm-hmm. We're getting very distracted. <laughs> Happy birthday, Chris. Um, uh, one yeah. of our listeners. And uh, yes, your, your your partner, Jessica, got in contact with us to let us know it was his birthday. And they're both huge fans of the show. And uh, yeah. yeah, so this is a birthday shout out. A little bit belated. A little bit. It was his birthday like a week ago or so oh. when this comes out. I think it was his birthday three days ago of time of recording. Okay. That's yeah. good. Well, I hope you had a good birthday, Chris, and yeah. you hope you got lots of amazing things. And here's you our know, birthday present take... to you. That's right. Yes. It's an introduction to JFK. Part oh. two. And this doesn't happen every week. No. no. <laughs> we didn't do them in the first episodes, remember? No, that's true. Yeah. An old guitar resting against the wall with cobwebs. Just, you know, one, one cobweb leading from the head to, to the body. Nice. Very dusty. Then you just hear these footsteps walking on a wooden floor. Nice. And a hand, like an aged hand, grabs the guitar neck and picks it up. Okay. Oh, that's that's quite nice. Yeah. And pan, keep panning with... Oh, we're back with panning, Jeremy. It's so exciting. Keep panning along uh, with that hand, with the guitar, and it moves quite swiftly. It pans in like a circular motion uh, around yep. the room following this guitar. And the guitar then gets put down again and leant <laughs> against the wall, an opposite wall. And then where the guitar used to be is a guitar case, which is then placed against the wall. And you're thinking, oh, someone's just about to put their guitar away. And then it comes out a bit, and you can only see the back of this guy's head and body as he's fiddling around with the guitar case. You can't see anything. He opens the guitar case, and then he walks towards the window in the corner of the room. And it's only then you realise that there's no guitar in that guitar case, Jamie. No. But a gun. <gasps> Why would there be a gun in a JFK episode? I don't know. I don't know. Are there any wars? Yeah. And then, well, no. whoever this guy is peering out of the window really seriously suddenly turns around, does two finger guns at the camera, winks and says, JFK part two. <laughs> I like they went from artistic sapia to, uh, <laughs> to goonies at the end. That's quite nice. Yeah. So there you go. That's, uh, that's our introduction to JFK. Um, But we're not, as you could probably guess, that's going to happen towards the end of this episode. Um, But we're not there yet. We're not there. 
No. At the end of the last episode, he became president, didn't he? Tight. Probably. Yeah, yes. It was a tight race, <laughs> far tighter than he expected it to be against Nixon, because <laughs> who liked Nixon? Uh, turned out quite a lot of people. But he wins the presidency, uh, and the election had really taken its toll. Remember, his health is really causing him problems. Did he have back problems? Oh, he had all sorts, remember. It's like, seriously, mm. in and out at hospital. They couldn't quite figure out what was wrong with him. He was on lots of steroids uh, throughout his life, various other things. It, well, yeah. That's not going to help. Oh, no, no. Uh, the treatment was as bad as the cure, according to some historians. Um, yeah, he's in a very bad way. So for a while, he, he thought he was going to have to just take a break. The election's done him in, and he's going to have to take a break. But obviously, when you've just been elected to be president, you know, it's not really a time to take a break. And soon, there were lots of people pressuring him for favours. Let me have this job. And uh, oh, have, you, have you thought about maybe putting me into this department? That seems to always happen, doesn't it? Every president. Oh, yeah, yeah. The this leeches is, crawling yeah. out. Yeah, it happens every single time. Sucking on the president. <laughs> Not that kind of favours, Jamie. <laughs> Kennedy himself said, Jesus Christ, this one wants that, that one this. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. Just be the grown-up and say no. Ch ch cheery words. Cheery words from the president-elect here. Uh, his, first his, <laughs> his father, Joe Senior, remember, over-dominating Joe, replied mm -hmm. that he didn't need to take the job. They're still counting the votes, technically. You could just concede defeat. I mean, obviously that wasn't a real option because Kennedy had no. obviously won, uh, but it did sort of snap Kennedy out of it. It's like, oh, well, no, I've got to do it, haven't I? Obviously. It's, it's like when you got a kid, it's like, oh, I don't, I don't want this chocolate bar. Well, put the chocolate bar then you don't, then you yeah, won't get a chocolate bar. No. So I'm going to hold my breath. Go on, then. We'll see who wins, because I'm still breathing. <laughs> yeah, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, there was one favour he couldn't ignore, however. And that was one from his father. His father's favour was, make your younger brother Bobby the Attorney General. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a wince there on your face. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah. Yes, don't worry, the nepotism is writ large already. Uh, a lot of people in Washington, not, not happy about this, Bobby Kennedy, uh, the kid, is now in charge of the legal system of the United States. Mm. By, by the it way, like... a little bit like nepotism. <laughs> yeah, he has no experience in this field whatsoever. So I, I guess mean, it's like most, like, politicians become ahead of something. They have no experience in it generally. They're just there because it's their new job. Yeah, but you'd like to think that at least a lawyer would be in charge of the uh, legal system. Well... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if not a judge or someone. But no, no. The vice president, Johnson, was uh, hopeful that Kennedy would not be led around by that, and I quote, little fart. That was Johnson's nickname for Bobby. Uh, remember, oh, Eisenhower had a similar nickname for Bobby that I told you about in the last episode, which was that little sh**. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but Bobby, not, not particularly well-liked in, in yeah. the circles in Washington. He, uh... it's, it's weird, actually, because the, the Kennedys are sort of held up as fa very favourable, but... Uh, with the public. With the public. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a lot of people who've worked very hard to get to positions where they are in Washington. Um, mm. And the, the Kennedy boys have just been ushered in by their daddy, wafting all the money around. Anyway, it soon became very clear that Bobby was going to become Kennedy's right-hand man. If you wanted to talk to Kennedy, you've got to get Bobby on side first. Hmm. Now, unlike Eisenhower, Kennedy didn't rely on his cabinet heads too much. He preferred to use a small number of advisers in the White House. His cabinet selection was designed to keep all wings of the party happy. Once he put this cabinet together, he starts working on his inauguration speech. Hey. Yeah. 
Now, his presidency was going to be the dawn of a new era for America, the next generation. Oh, they always say that. But, I mean, kind of got a point here. It's, they've just had some very old, tired men for a while, and here's young Kennedy. Yeah. Voice of the future. He was born this century, don't you know? That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, there you go. That's exciting, isn't it? So this speech had to be good. It had to, like, be one of those speeches that go down in history good, if he's really going to impress people. Starts off with, all right. (laughs) I suppose I'll do it. Well, actually, no, he did it. He did. He made a really good speech. Mm. Uh, He he talked about the challenges the country faced, the threat from Russia, the problem with civil rights, uh, but at the same time, he kept it positive, urging patience. I'll quote here, All of this will not be accomplished in the first 100 days, nor will it be finished in the first 1,000 days, nor will it be finished in the life of this administration, nor perhaps in the lifetime of this planet. <laughs> this job will never be done. Sorry, sorry, I, miss, I misspoke there. Not, not the lifetime of the planet, nor perhaps in our lifetime on this planet. Oh, okay, yes, I was like, it's say. slightly different. We might not get it done before the sun expands and burns the atmosphere away from the planet. Five billion years. <laughs> but let us yeah. begin. <laughs> so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you but what you can do for your country. I believe he said it in that accent as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I liked it. I think he went all Churchill-y in there. I think so, yeah. He added a bit of a pra-fra-fra at the end. Yeah, the uh, the speech hit all the right notes. Kennedy Mm. enjoyed an approval rating of over 75%, despite his very narrow victory not long before. Believable. Oh, yeah, nowadays in, nowadays, in American politics, no the chance. idea of a president getting 75%, yeah. If he's 40%, <laughs> yeah, you're doing well. If only a slim majority of the entire population of your country despise you, then yeah, you're doing quite well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, no, 75% thought he was doing a good job wow. before he'd actually started. <laughs> oh, good speech, good speech, yeah. So. Yeah. So anyway, probably gave himself a high five and a pat on the back, um, and uh, he sets off to run the country. What's on the agenda, he asks? Uh, Russia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, a while ago since we recorded it, but if you remember the end of uh, Eisenhower's episode, there was yeah. a U-2 plane shot down over Russia during the election. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Russia were not best pleased about this. So this needed to be fixed. Soviet leader Khrushchev had no desire for a hardline anti-Russian like Nixon to be in charge. So he was actually more than happy to show the world that relations between the United States and the USSR could be eased with the likes of Kennedy in charge. That's good. So because of this, they released the pilots. Hooray. Yeah. Yeah. Kennedy received another boost in popularity. There you go. He's, he's brought our men home. Hooray. <laughs> he's doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah, this brief honeymoon in the Cold War is not going to last, as uh, I'm sure you're aware. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yes. A plan from the old administration reared its head almost immediately. Uh, the CIA had come up with a, a plan to assure the US dominance on the Western Hemisphere. Make sure those commies don't come over here. Now, Cuba turning red, had many in the United States very nervous. Castro's now in Cuba, that's happened. And, uh, yeah, that's not good, because if Cuba shows the rest of Latin America that they could be free of United States economic control, well, it would be more likely they would turn to the communists and gain 
ties with Russia, and before they knew it, the Soviets could establish a stronghold with land borders to the United States, something that they mm. did not want to happen. So Kennedy had campaigned saying that he was going to take this issue very seriously. So, okay, I've rescued the pilots from Russia. Um, <laughs> Single-handedly. Yeah, so... Uh, what do we do here, then? Well, he was advised, if we bring down Castro, the president of Cuba, uh, then their regime will topple, and a pro-US government can just be slotted into place. It's uh, the old CIA method that's been cropping mm. up a bit recently, as we discussed in Eisenhower's episode. <laughs> it's as easy as this. Yes, increasingly this becoming the preferred method for the United States to gain control of countries. Is, is this where they end up shipping, like, a whole beach full of pigs over to Cuba? I might be misremembering. Yes, yes, the, the, bay, the Bay of Pigs. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was really silly, silly idea. The it pigs really barely was. had any training. No. No. And they no. can swim well. Pigs but, can yeah. swim. Yeah, they can, but... Um, terrible with rifles. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the plan was to train and support anti-Castro-Cuban exiles. The, these, I assume, must be the pigs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, they'd fled the island after the revolution. Uh, <laughs> Kennedy heard of this plan and was not too happy about it. Now he liked, Why pigs? he liked the idea of Castro being brought down, but it did seem a little bit risky. I mean, I mean, they can't even hunt. They've only got trotters. I mean, <laughs> what are they going to do? Well, it wasn't that. I don't think he'd been informed that the uh, the rebels were actually physical pigs by this point. Kennedy was more, <laughs> okay. yeah. Kennedy was more worried for, uh, about the optics. Right. If if they are caught bringing down Castro. It doesn't look good, does it? No, it looks Marching a bit... into a country, toppling their regime. Yeah, that's the kind of thing we accuse the Russians of doing. Yeah. Maybe and we shouldn't Britain. do that. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, um, But the wheels are in motion, you say. Oh, right, you're already sort of halfway through the plan. Oh, OK. OK, carry on then, whatever, was essentially Kennedy's attitude. Uh, just keep me updated. However... Some time passed, and he became more and more stressed by the idea that this was going to blow back on him. So he really stressed, nothing must look like the United States are involved. It has to look like this was a domestic thing in Cuba, nothing to do with us. I mean, after all, he'd been advised that if it was obvious the United States had overthrown a government just because they didn't like it, it might cause a few uprisings in the rest of Latin America. Yeah. And don't forget... A lot of Latin America right now are being economically controlled by the United States and having their wealth ripped out of them through these massive corporations that have been set like up there. Panama. Yes, exactly. So it's like, well, we don't want to lose Latin America because although we haven't invaded, I mean, we economically own them. So we, we need to do something, but we can't be seen to be doing something. It was a, it was a tricky, tricky wire to, to try and navigate. But he was assured time and time again by the CIA and the military... The Joint Chiefs, this is fine. No one's going to know. We are good at this now. Um, however, the CIA informed the Cuban rebels, don't worry, if you fail, we will go in. So the CIA was giving one message to the president and one to the actual rebels. I mean, that that's going to cause problems. Yeah. Did you know at this point they were pigs? No, no, he still still did not know. Still in the um, dark. Yeah. You can read into this that the CIA did assume that the coup was going to fail, but then... Kennedy would bow under pressure from his military advisers and send in the troops anyway. So the military and the CIA were really pushing for a full-on invasion. Meanwhile, mm. Kennedy's really starting to have doubts about this. I mean, seriously, it's going to look bad. First thing I do is just invade a country because we don't like their leader. Mm, this could destabilise the entire world. Is it likely to succeed? 
Uh, and when talking to one advisor about it, uh, he admitted that the rebels were just an invasion force of 1,500, and Castro had 25,000 men at his disposal. His advisor simply said, 1,500 isn't as good as 25,000. <laughs> you can see how he got his advisor job. <laughs> yes. I know numbers. Yeah. Still, Dulles or D Dulles? You know what? This is another case of me writing a name and not checking the pronunciation and then forgetting to do it. D-U-L-L-E-S. Dulles. Dulles. Dulles, Dulles. Dulles. Dulles, he was French. Dulles. Yeah. Dulles, uh, yeah. the head of the CIA, kept insisting that the plan was watertight. Don't worry, this is absolutely fine. The risk of the coup falling apart is small. The risk of the world knowing it um, was zero. This is absolutely fine. By this point, the press had got wind that something was up, however. Kennedy started being asked questions about Cuba. He said, and I quote, There will not be, under any conditions, any intervention in Cuba by the United States Armed Forces. <laughs> Excuse that? me, do you mind explaining the, why those pigs behind you are dressing camo? <laughs> it's just lots of press secretaries just trying to push them out of the press room. <laughs> not this room, not this room. <laughs> Anyway, after this outright lie to the American public, uh, Kennedy then ordered the invasion. Hogwash, they said. <laughs> that, was, that was the code word for yep. uh, getting underway. <laughs> the pigs hit the water. <laughs> <laughs> Someone earned their bonus that year. Um, anyway, uh, due to the fears of uh, US involvement coming out, last minute, Kennedy reduced the number of uh, planes in the airstrike that was supposed to soften up the Cuban forces beforehand. Probably a good idea, because pigs are terrible with rifles. I imagine what they're like flying Awful planes. at flying. So, yeah, um, most of the targets were missed, and fewer planes were attacking. So. <laughs> of course they missed. <laughs> yeah. Any targets they hit, it was the plane just careening into yeah. the ground. Cause... It unfortunately was just a, a bit, bit of a mess. Um, yeah. The CIA, by the way, purposely had a Cuban plane make an emergency landing in Florida and uh, a pilot who was trained what to say declared that he had defected and all of this was Cubans. I mean that took a long time to get the pig to say that but they, they did it. <laughs> a lot of elocution lessons. <laughs> yes so this is nothing to do with the US said the rebel. Uh, this yeah. is all me and my Cuban friends. Um, <laughs> however the cover story was weak. I mean obviously it's, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, uh, most were able to see through this immediately, including uh, Vice President Johnson, who had not been informed of any of this, by the way. Uh, uh, yeah, so he wasn't happy. Anyway, meanwhile, the invasion was falling apart. <laughs> As you, as you can imagine. The, the, <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, I mean, you've got, like, genuine Cuban soldiers against uh, just 1,500 hams. Um, so... <laughs> It's more of a barbecue than a... Yeah, exactly. Uh, but this wasn't a huge problem for the military and the CIA, because this was kind of what they were expecting. Because then they went to Kennedy and said, right, well, you're going to have to send in the US troops to save this coup, otherwise it's not going to happen. And we've invested too much into it now, so come on, send the forces. A young president. Now, much to their surprise, the kid president refused to budge. Kennedy realised that this quickly was becoming a disaster. The world was going to know the United States had attempted to engineer a coup in a country with no provocation. But he refused to add fuel to the fire by ordering a full-on invasion. 
Good. So going into damage limitation mode, Kennedy publicly admitted, yeah, that was us, sorry. Uh, That's very unusual for president to do. Yeah. Privately, he said, we got a big kick in the leg and we deserved it, but maybe we'll learn something from it. Hmm. Spoilers. They didn't. No. 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 But you can but hope, can't you? Anyway, what he'd learnt was not to trust his military advisers. He'd gone in, he was a bit impressed by everyone in these snazzy uniforms yeah. telling him that we can do this, that and the other. Um, yeah, no. Maybe I mean, by definition, you're going to be trigger-happy if you're a, a military advisor, right? You're going to want to show off and use your stuff. Yeah, if you're a hammer, everything, every problem's a nail, so... But not only did he learn not to trust his military advisors, he also learned to not trust the CIA. You lied to me. You told me that this was going to work easily, and it didn't. So uh, Dulles had to go. He would have preferred Bobby take the role, put his mm. brother in charge of CIA, uh, but that was impossible now because he's the Attorney General. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, partly due to his honeymoon period, partly due to some political manoeuvring, including getting Nixon and Eisenhower to publicly support him. It's like across the... Spectrum people went behind the president because everyone realised this looked bad for America as a whole. We need to pull mm. together. Again, yeah. something that certainly wouldn't happen nowadays. Nope. Yeah, but because of this, Kennedy was able to ride the storm fairly well at home. It was largely seen as the CIA's fault. Internationally, though, uh, the US took a hit. Yet again, the world was shown that the United States was willing to go into countries with no provocation and usurp governments. And they claimed that the Soviets were the threats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's... They, they took a bit of a dent across the world yeah. in, in, in world opinion. So the first 100 days passed, uh, and Kennedy mm. was disappointed with what he'd achieved, which was not much apart from a botched invasion. I'd agree. It's not, not, yeah, not a sparkling it's, record. It's, it's not great. The walls also seem to be closing in. J. Edgar Hoover, uh, the FBI oh, yeah. chief... Oh, yeah, that J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. He started occasionally, regularly, sending reports to Bobby about the evidence the FBI were collecting on Kennedy's womanising. <laughs> Just to let the Kennedys know that the FBI is keeping everything safe. Don't worry, all this information's out there, but we're keeping it nice and safe for we're you. We're here to protect sir. you. Yeah. So, yeah. um, scratch the FBI off the list of who to trust. There's a great film, I think it's on Netflix, uh, J. Edgar, starring um, Jack from Titanic. It's very good. Oh, yes, no, I need to watch that. That's on my list to watch. I've not seen it yet. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, this has led to some people to say that J. Edgar Hoover was actually um, blackmailing Kennedy, but there's no actual <gasps> proof of that. But I'm sure it... I mean... <laughs> I'm sure it did play on Kennedy's mind occasionally. Uh, but... Well, it was designed to. You'd only do yeah, that. Exactly. Look how much information I have to protect yes. you. Yeah. One advisor at this time told the president that he needed a domestic win. I mean, these big international events are taking over the narrative. What Americans really want for their country is for it to be improving. Education, Medicare bills, perhaps even the minefield that was civil rights. Work on something Ooh. like that. Yeah. But despite wanting to take on these things, Congress simply wasn't in a place where anything was going to get through. The Democrats were still very split along the Southern Divide, and the more Conservatives were more than happy to help the Democrats remain split on these civil rights issues. Yeah, of course. So Kennedy, not wanting to appear weak, decided not to push the issues too hard. He figured he wouldn't be able to get there, and if he pushed it, he'd look weak. Now, this obviously led to frustration in the civil rights leaders and activists at the time. And we are talking about all the famous names now from the civil rights period. They're all around now. This also includes groups of people like the Freedom Riders. 
the Freedom Riders were a group of people who were riding interstate buses to challenge the non-enforcement of the Supreme Court rulings stating that segregated buses were unconstitutional. The rulings being made, you can't segregate buses anymore, so these people were going around on interstate buses making sure that they could sit anywhere on the bus. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, So are you basically saying Rosa Parks was a hell's angel? Uh, no, Rosa Parks was Riding wasn't... along in, say, bike, buses, on a bike. But Rosa Parks was not part of this movement, although obviously she became famous for her involvement on a bus. But no, You're this telling was... me she didn't wear a leather jacket? I mean, she, did, she definitely did that, but... Saunter onto the bus, flip the cigarette on the floor and say, this bus better be free. Yeah, but I mean, that obviously happened, but it's not part of this movement. All right, fair enough. Yeah, OK. Anyway, so, group of people um, going up and down around the country, uh, generally trying to make sure that people weren't being racist. As you can imagine, this annoyed the racists. Uh, So tensions started to grow. Bobby, speaking for his brother, urged the Freedom Riders to get off the buses and just leave the matter to the courts. Stop stop kicking up fuss. Hmm. Um, Let's just be quiet about the civil rights stuff, shall we? It's just just messy. And uh, Kennedy (sighs) stayed out of it as much as possible. Case in point, it's his brother talking about it, mm. not him. He just you want... can kind of see why, even though the moral thing is to do the right thing. <laughs> I think politically, it is a bit of a messy pot, which is a shame because people don't have guts. Well, th- this is why no president has really bothered to do anything because politically, mm. it's tough. Yeah, but it's the right thing to do. And as we see throughout all of history, if a politician has a choice between what's right and what's easy. Anyway, as much as he wanted a home win, uh, it was also hard for Kennedy to ignore the growing international tension because, ooh, things are getting tense. Where's, where's the big flashpoint in the world right now? Russia? Well, it's with, against Russia. No, it's not Cuba. We're not there yet. Berlin. Oh, the wall thing. Oh, yes, the whole wall thing. Well, there's no wall yet. Um, no. Yeah, you'll see soon, though. Yeah, um, obviously, after the war, Germany had been split in two. The Russians mm. got one half and the Allies got the other half. Was that sort of, like, just agreed, or did the Russians just go, we're going to have this? Um, well, I mean, to be fair, it was the Russians who got into Germany first. Wow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they also lost ridiculous times more men than the Allies did. So. But yeah, it was a case of, as we saw in um, Eisenhower's episode and uh, FDR's episode, it was just a case of, we need to make a compromise here. Okay, Russia, you can have that half and we'll have this half. Um, but there's a trouble. <laughs> Let's hope this decision doesn't come out to bite us in the arse in a few yeah. years. Well, I mean, the, the problem is, of course, that the capital city, Berlin, is on the eastern half of the country. So some very sensible person earned lots of brownie points when they suggested, why don't we split the city in half and we'll just have a little bubble of Berlin surrounded by Russian Germany. I can imagine a lot of just awkward faces at that point. Yeah, but unfortunately it was probably about three in the morning at this point and everyone was just really (laughs) tired and wanted to go home. It's like, you know what, fine, whatever. Yeah, we'll come back to it in the morning, but yeah, fine, that'll do. So, yeah. So they must have negotiated some way of getting to Berlin, though, from the West. Oh, yes, yes. There were negotiations where uh, you could take supplies by a train and stuff. It would all be ironed out. But obviously, the Russians could very easily blockade West Berlin. Mm. Very easily. So this was a slight problem. And what was a bigger problem is that East Berlin had started to hemorrhage its citizens, fleeing to West Berlin. Mm. West Berlin was doing all right. 
East Berlin less so. I wonder why. It's, it just it just wasn't going well. It's almost like communism doesn't work. It's almost. Certainly the style of communism the Soviets were pushing at the time, well, that's yeah. for sure. So it, it wasn't a good look for Khrushchev. Uh, he was determined to use the United States' latest stumble to capitalise on their chances to hold all of Berlin. And that way they wouldn't have to worry about the optics of losing their citizens. Yeah. So there was one plan. The Soviets would sign a peace treaty with East Berlin, then create an antecedent state. This new state would then be able to end the deal which gave West Berlin to the West. So basically, Russia would say, yes, Germany, you're now Germany again. And then the new Germany would say, right, West Europe, we want our country back. And it all starts with a peace treaty between Russia and East Germany. Russia and East Germany. Yeah. You with me? But they own it already, don't they? Yeah, but this way, if they give Germany their... peace treaty between England and Coventry. Yeah, but if they give Germany their independence, then they can try and claim the rest of their own country back. And once they've done that, Russia can economically dominate the whole thing. Oh, I see. Ah, yes. That's the... See, that's why I'd be a terrible advisor. (laughs) You're just there going, yeah, seems all right to me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that's Khrushchev's plan, anyway. Once the United States heard of this, it was decided that the two leaders of the emerging superpowers should probably meet and hammer out some problems that are going to uh, be caused by this. Maybe Hmm. make some headway towards peace. Everything's a bit tense at the moment. So the two leaders arrived in Vienna in June of 1961. Both of them singing the song as they went through the streets. (gasps) The hills are alive. Oh, not that one, the Vienna song. Oh, Vienna. You don't know, you don't know that song. I'm not a fan of Radiohead, Rob. It's not Radiohead. Oh my God. Right. (laughs) I'm shocked and appalled. Hang on. (laughs) You will know this song. There's no way you won't know this song. Yeah, probably. It's by Ultravox. Okay. Yeah, ready. Sounds vaguely familiar, oh, okay. but... Well, they were singing that song. That's what they oh, okay. were doing. Yeah. I hope left all of that in. <laughs> all of that's going to stay in. Um, yeah, well, I say they were both singing it. They actually arrived separately, so they both sang their own versions as they went through the uh, the city. Uh, JFK started very well. His arrival was like the arrival of a film star. <laughs> he sang the first verse. Yeah, yeah. He really kicked in on that chorus. Yeah. It was really impressive. Um, yeah, lots of cheering, waving of flags... The young, nice. attractive president with his young, attractive wife. Uh, Khrushchev turned up to much less fanfare on a rainy yeah. afternoon. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it just wasn't as good. I like it was at the same time, just at the other end of the city. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> his rendition of Vienna was just being played on a hurdy-gurdy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> as good. Uh, anyway, immediately, the youthful, tall and smiling president came across as more confident and in control than the Soviet premier. Uh, mm. After photos and formalities, the two men sat down with interpreters and started to talk. A couple of jokes were cracked about their age difference. Again, Kennedy looked at ease. It all seemed all very good. Uh, then Khrushchev went on the attack. He accused... The... <laughs> Launched across the table. <laughs> throttled. 
pummeling Kennedy. Uh, no, no, he accused the United States of threatening the economic expansion of Russia by attacking the spread of communist ideals. The USSR was going to prove that communism was a superior method of government uh, and it would be able to bring peace and prosperity to the world. But the United States were greedily fighting against it for no reason whatsoever. Now, Kennedy was slightly taken aback by this sudden attack because everything was jokes a couple of seconds ago and suddenly <laughs> Khrushchev's going, you're attacking us, why are you attacking us? He replied, the United States would never agree that communism was inherently better than capitalism, but it didn't mean that there needed to be a conflict. Capitalism, communism, side by side. We don't need to fight each other. Ah, said Khrushchev. So you're going to stop attacking countries accepting communism then, are you? Kennedy just went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well... Probably not. Um, yeah, yeah the... but you, could use, you could use the same argument. That's attacking capitalism. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The two sides are doing it to each other, definitely. Um, but it was definitely Khrushchev who was coming out on top of this first exchange. Well, he's more experienced, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the day continued with Kennedy attempting to use his natural charm on the Soviet leader. Remember, Kennedy, mediocre in pretty much everything in his life, apart from his charm, of which he has bucket loads. Yes. Uh, but Khrushchev uh, just kept throwing it back in his face. Swinging from cracking jokes to then suddenly accusing the United States of needlessly attacking Russians, uh, he was unpredictable, <gasps> and uh, Kennedy struggled. Khrushchev, he was, <laughs> he was um, uh, the death of Stalin film. He's the guy that takes over after Stalin. <laughs> yes, yes, that's where we are, yeah. So I'm now picturing the actor, him playing Khrushchev. Cool, right, okay, that's him. That's yes, fantastic. Definitely. Sorry, it's just occurred to me who he is. Yeah. Um... Anyway, after the day, an exhausted Kennedy was congratulated by an aide for keeping his cool. What did you expect me to do, retorted Kennedy? Take off one of my shoes and hit him over the head with it. Which would have no. been fun to watch. That would have been great. Yeah, Just Kennedy the translators watching were shocked. <laughs> ow. Ow. Please stop. Ow. Get your... Oh, I'm not saying that. <laughs> yeah. Get your beep shoe off my beep. Well, Kennedy became more and more flustered and frustrated that he could not get through to Khrushchev, who was obviously not interested in what Kennedy had to say, describing Kennedy to an aide as, and I quote, very young, not strong enough, too intelligent, and too weak. That's a shame. Any yeah. respect? <laughs> no, really. No, okay. Really, really no. <laughs> I mean, he did say intelligent, but that's very backhanded when you say too intelligent, isn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah. Kennedy complained that he was being treated like a little boy. Summit continued, and the leaders talked about the fighting in the Far East and in the Congo. They talked about China's nuclear pro program. But mainly, of course, they talked about Berlin. Khrushchev to told Kennedy that Russia was still reeling from World War II and the losses they took. Germany already was becoming strong again, and it only made sense to sign a new peace treaty with East and West Germany and let them rise on their own. And, oh, mm. yes... They would invalidate the old post-war agreements. You're absolutely right, but surely that's proper. We can't sit on top of Germany with its split. Let them have, let them be themselves, said Khrushchev. United States should sign these peace agreements as well, said the Russian Premier, because if the United States did not, the new East Germany would close off all routes to Berlin for the West. So as you said earlier, surely there must have been some way to get there. Well, yes, there was, but... Khrushchev saying, if you don't do this, we blockade West Berlin. Right. Yeah. 
Kennedy had had enough by this point. No. And I'll quote, We fought our way there. If we were expelled from that area, no one would have confidence in the United States commitments pledges. So, don't push this, Kennedy said, because this genuinely could lead to a nuclear war. This is dangerous. Yeah. Khrushchev replied that no force in the world would stop them from signing the peace treaty. But we will wait till December. We'd suggest that you sign because the only way to stop is war. And I'll quote, it is up to the United States to decide whether there will be peace or war. Kennedy then replied, then, Mr. Chairman, there will be war. It will be a cold winter. So the summit went well. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they probably left and both went, could have been worse. <laughs> could have been worse. <laughs> any, any summit ending with the phrase, it will be a cold winter. Uh, yeah. it's not great is it so is this where the cold war phrase came from um oh possibly i don't think so i think no. i think everything was just very cold back then yeah <laughs> yeah um <laughs> kennedy sank into a depression after this uh, he'd proven himself weak enough to be pushed around by his advisors in the bay mm. of pigs and now the russian premier had proven proven resistant to his charms i mean he just wasn't yeah. being the president he thought he was going to be able to be so i guess you you know you get told you're so amazing all the way up to the role mm. then suddenly you put on the the world stage and oh actually this is harder than i, yeah. Than I thought yeah as a mm. one advisor said later for the first time in his life he met a man impervious to his charms it threw kennedy a bit <laughs> So perhaps he wasn't cut out for this, or even worse, he thought, perhaps other people might start thinking that he wasn't cut out for this. Things then escalate. In the next few weeks, the East German head of government talked of shutting all Western access to West Berlin, including the airport. So full-on lockdown of West Berlin. No one gets in, no one gets out. Mm. Khrushchev announced publicly that the peace treaty needed to be signed, and all attempts at coming to an agreement in regards of reducing nuclear tests had halted. So like we're not halting nuclear tests because you're not signing a peace treaty. You clearly want war. That's gearing up them. I mean, the, the Russians uh, were doing well politically here. They're the mm, ones yeah, saying, <laughs> give Germany back, let's have a peace treaty. I mean, those things sound really good, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Theory. Um, but, I mean, it, it just, it was not acceptable to the West because they realised that this would make Russia far too powerful. So, the Kennedy strategy uh, seemed to be similar to his civil rights strategy, which was, wait it out, don't get too bogged down in it, um, let's hope this all just goes away. <laughs> Blows over in a few months. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it wasn't going to work. Nixon started putting in digs whenever he could. Never in American history has a man talked so big and acted so little. Not great. No. Kennedy realised that he had to do something, or at least say something. In an attempt to keep things calm, he gave a press conference and he talked about the summit. He focused on things such as Khrushchev announcing that Russia would be outperforming the United States in terms of GDP by 1970. Try it, said Kennedy. We welcome the competition. After all, competition only makes us strong. Sounds a little bit like capitalism to me. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Do you think there's someone at the side just saying, go, go bigger, go bigger, make bigger claims of things we can do in the future? Go on, yeah. just go wild, aim for the moon. Yeah, yeah, no, not quite, we're not things quite like there that. yet, but um, no, yes, no. but you can see where it starts to come from. Yeah. <laughs> you really can. Uh, when he was pushed to talk about the nuclear tensions between the two countries, he played it down. No, we're, we're going to go on an economics race, which will benefit both countries. 
there's nothing to worry about. We're, yeah. we're, we're not going to fight each other. We're just yeah. going to have a race to see who's the best. That's a quite a capitalist approach, I like. Yes, exactly. But behind the scenes, a majority of those in high government were putting pressure on the president. We need to build faster. We need to build more than the Russians. Build up everything in the military. If we have more bombs, if we have more forces, if we have a larger military, then and only then can we make sure we can control this situation. We can't let them get ahead. Yeah. However, there were some in the government advising caution. Perhaps, just perhaps, building <laughs> bomb after bomb is not the answer. I mean, after all, we can only blow up the planet once. Do we really need the power to do it several times over? That's why we're going to the moon. <laughs> Diplomacy is where we will ease tensions. We need to work on diplomatic channels. So in a move that shows perhaps that the Bay of Pigs had left a mark, Kennedy made it very clear to the Joint Chiefs, yes, the military is important, but it's not everything. You guys think the solution is the military because that's what you are. That said, let's build up the military just in case. So, uh, yeah, just, let's just see what happens. Yeah, so 200,000 more troops and an extra 3.25 billion in the national defence budget should do it. Let's Did really... a billion even exist in the 1960s? <laughs> let's really ramp this up quite yeah. a lot. Uh, in another speech, he attempted to balance the opinions. In another speech that he gave standing in front of a map of Germany and Berlin, he said, We will at all times be ready to talk, but we must also be ready to resist with force. Keeping both options open. Now, things were ratcheting up with a depressing inevitability. It would appear that the world was going to go to nuclear war just because two countries did not trust that the other one would not try and wipe them out. That must have really annoyed everybody else. It's like, I think on, everyone guys. was very annoyed, yes. Yeah. And then, just in time, there was a slight reprieve. This deadline was getting closer and closer. The US were refusing to sign a peace treaty with Germany. The Russians were demanding that the Americans did sign the peace treaty. The deadline was approaching. What was going to happen? And then suddenly, the Russians decided that a way to stop the mass exodus of people leaving East Berlin and heading to West Berlin was to put a barrier up. Build the wall. Build the wall. <laughs> well, it was a fence to begin with. But it soon obviously became the Berlin Wall, the mm. physical manifestation of a stupid idea. Uh, <laughs> well, perhaps. But also, at this point, it was also a pause between two sides that were about to start fighting with nukes. So now, it's more of a greater good kind of now, thing. Now, I'd never really seen it this way. I mean, dividing no. a city with a wall is obviously stupid, but it's like, oh, I can kind of see... At this point, with that deadline approaching, uh, mm. the two sides were starting to eye each other up. Well, actually, if we put a wall here, then maybe it will ease mm. tensions. After all, yeah. said Kennedy, why would Khrushchev put up a wall if he really intended to seize West Berlin? So maybe yeah. we can all just calm down a little bit. And this was enough for the president to put a halt on the slide. In Russia, it was enough for Khrushchev to say that he'd stop the emigration, so therefore we don't need to have this December deadline anymore. We've slowed everything down. As Kennedy yeah. put it, it's not a nice solution, but the wall is a hell of a lot better than war. Mm. So, there you go. If you've ever wondered why such a stupid idea came to pass, well, that's it. It was to stop an even more stupid idea. <laughs> that is nuclear war. That's... 
Yeah, so actually it may have been worth even though it's awful for Yeah, awful, but fifty years. At least that explains why it's there. Now, using back channels between governments, the United States and Russia started uh, very tentatively to talk about maybe, just maybe, having Khrushchev and Kennedy meet again. Perhaps all of us dying is, I don't know, a bad idea. And we should probably probably do something about that. Publicly the two governments were still being very harsh. Lots of sabre-rattling still going on, but actually in the diplomatic background there was a slight thaw. And that didn't stop the sides preparing for war, obviously, because you can't trust those damn commies slash capitalists. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Kennedy was still under a lot of pressure from the Warhawk faction. At one point at this time, snapped at one man, at one advisor criticising his approach to Russia. I quote, Wars are easier to talk about than fight. Which is... A very good point. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Which, incidentally, is the same view he took over Vietnam. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> now, just to be clear, I'm not covering Vietnam in detail in this episode. There isn't time. Um, good. But it's starting to rear its head now, so we need to start mentioning it. Um, yeah. Uh, Kennedy believed, as did, as did most at the time, uh, that keeping South Vietnam non-communist was vitally important to stop the spread of communism. But he also saw it as a secondary issue behind things like Berlin and Cuba. It's just, I mean, it's, it's in Asia. It's far away. It's not the most important thing right yeah. now. We, we've got to make sure Berlin doesn't fall, and we don't want this, uh, Cuba expanding into Latin America. Well, yeah. So he wanted to support South Vietnam, but he didn't want to go in with troops. He thought that would be a bad idea. In fact, I'll quote him, If Vietnam ever converted into a white man's war, we would lose in the same way that the French lost a decade earlier. That sounds a teensy bit racist. That's because everyone's a teensy bit racist, Jamie. I don't know if you've noticed that. No, it's the first one I've heard oh, of that. right, okay. <laughs> well, one advisor told him that if they got involved, then hundreds of thousands of US men would go into the jungles of Vietnam and never come out again. And Kennedy agreed. That sounds like a stupid idea. Let's not do that. So despite heavy pressure from the Warhawk faction, he refused to commit troops. Instead, a compromise was made. The United States would send advisors and equipment. Hmm. Just don't ask how many advisors. Or what equipment? Oh, I mean, the equipment was military equipment, don't worry. And helicopters and bombs and guns. <laughs> We're yeah. sending scissors and bandages. No, no, no it was it was very wink, clear. Wink. And Oh, no, it was open. It was open. Helicopters, oh, okay. guns, bombs. Yeah, we're, we're sending Fair them enough. arms. That's what we're sending them. And we're sending advisors to teach them how to use them. But just, just seriously, don't ask how many advisors and don't ask how involved in the fighting these advisors are getting. In fact, when one reporter asked this very question, are US troops now in combat in Vietnam? Kennedy replied... And I quote, no. So there you go. That's okay, isn't it? Yeah, answers that question. Yeah, yeah. Next. Com- com- complete lie, obviously. These advisors were just soldiers, but they were called advisors. So, yeah. So fighting has sort of started in Vietnam, but not really. Not really. And Kennedy really doesn't want to get bogged down over there. Well, it's far away. It's an easy win. Don't worry about it. Well, no, this is it. Everyone knew that that wouldn't be the case because look yeah. what happened to the French trying to fight in this area. Yeah, ten that's years the French, it's not the US. Come on, uh, that's, USA. <laughs> that's a good Come point. On. Anyway, it's about this time Joe Senior has a stroke. Obviously, as the puppet master behind his son all his life, this had a very large effect on Kennedy. Uh, he sought mm. comfort. And how does Kennedy know how to get comfort? The ladies. The ladies, of course. Uh, and now, Khrushchev. 
<laughs> no, not Khrushchev, just the ladies. Uh, yeah, it's odd. I, I really found that in most places, Kennedy's attitude to women was seen almost as an achievement in most history books or articles I've read. That's really weird. Yeah, he really seems to get away with this a lot in the history books. Now, we've had presidents treat women badly before, obviously. Mm. Uh, most of them. <laughs> But, like, sectioning uh, a woman that you got pregnant, for example, was a particular (laughs) low point. But, to be fair, they are usually, like, pulled up on it in the history books. Um, But Kennedy less so for some reason. And at this time, estimates are that he was having an affair with no fewer than eight different women. Eight? Including two secretaries in the White House, a woman with ties to the Italian mob a 19-year-old intern who was clearly only there to entertain Kennedy because apparently she had no skills whatsoever pertaining to the job, and various actresses, possibly including Marilyn Monroe. I mean, I'm 34. I wouldn't have the energy for that. No, no. Now, the Marilyn Monroe one's obviously the most... uh, famous of yeah. these I mean, which when happy she birthday. i was about to say when she sang happy birthday yes, everyone was like well they're clearly day. doing it aren't they uh, but apparently if they did do it it's almost certainly they only ever did it once um because <laughs> well that's okay <laughs> apparently a lot of time has been taken looking into this by various people and uh, <laughs> people have worked out like times that it could have been physically possible and there was only one night where they were both staying in the same place where it could have happened um yeah so it wasn't a full-blown affair between the two of them no but i mean they probably did it because who didn't kennedy do at this time apparently so yeah he he basically treated uh women not very well especially his wife jackie who was getting very annoyed uh, especially when one day she had to go down a line of people and shake their hands and she realized that one of them was a woman her husband was sleeping with at the time Yeah, and uh, turned on one of the advisors and said something along the lines of, I know I have to do this rubbish, but don't ever make me shake the hand of one of my husband's mistresses again. Kennedy just didn't give her, though. So, (laughs) there you go. It's not good, is it? Yeah. See, the thing is, you see in history books them saying things like he was to relieve his stress. It was like playing tennis for him. It's like, yeah, maybe the physical act, but the... The, the actual way you're talking and treating yeah. people, then that's that's the bit that just seems to be glossed over. Yeah, so ignore the repercussions of it all for, you know, the women's yeah. families and yeah. his wife. I mean, we will get on to Bill Clinton and uh, the way he <laughs> treated Monica Lewinsky, but, I mean, that was one intern. This is... He, he's going through the White House like a... You know what? I don't want to do an analogy there. <laughs> right. Anyway... Um, <laughs> But he wasn't getting any criticism for his womanising. There was still, at this time, uh, a gentleman's agreement with the press. You don't talk about the personal life of the president. So none of this was blowing back on him whatsoever. But the FBI, just there with a Just piling it up, piling it up. They had stuff in a drawer, some folders in a drawer, and the filing cabinet, and the filing cabinet next to that, and then just room 4B. Um, yeah. But if he wasn't getting criticism for his womanizing, he was starting to get criticism for his civil rights approach. In July. Or lack of. Well, yeah, exactly. In July of 1962, Martin Luther King Jr. called out JFK, saying the president really needed to do more speaking out against segregation. Hmm. Now, Kennedy insisted that he had taken many steps to help the civil rights movement. 
uh, more than any other president in history. Uh, but few were very impressed with this. Uh, King released a telegram that he had sent to the president asking him to take significant steps, and I quote, against anti-Negro terrorists in the South. Hmm. But Kennedy did little in this area. Uh, as historian Robert Dalek points out, no. Uh, <laughs> as, as historian Robert Dalek points out, uh, Kennedy understood the civil rights movement was well justified. Can understand the Dalek movement? <laughs> Sorry. He understood the civil rights movement was well justified. Um, he agreed with the civil rights movement personally, but he also simply didn't really see it as his fight. His fight yeah. was against communism abroad. His fight was the need to build up education in the country. Yeah. And... Yeah, that meant desegregating the schools, so it was kind of part of it. But his job was for education as a whole. Uh, the black population had to deal with the racism because it's their problem. I support their fight, but it's not really my fight. So he didn't really spend the energy that it would have taken to actually correct and righten the injustices in the system. Meanwhile, the fight against communism, uh, it's going well. It's going well, you'll be pleased to know. His military advisers assured Kennedy that they were so close to victory in Vietnam that they could start planning withdrawal of troops. Hooray! Splendid, so it's going well then. Wonderful. Oh, sorry, but by troops, I mean advisers. Advisers, we don't have any troops over there. But yeah, yeah no. we'll be able to pull out our advisers <laughs> by yeah. uh, 65. Yeah. Yeah, 68 tops. 68 yeah. tops. We'll be out of Vietnam. Easy peasy. Maybe the 70s. Don't, don't, don't be ridiculous. No, 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 no. We'll be out soon. Kennedy yeah. was very pleased. This is exactly what he wanted. In Vietnam, out of Vietnam, yeah. not officially there. South yeah. Vietnam stands. Fantastic. Can't wait to go 56,000 advisors back. <laughs> yeah, the, the United <laughs> States wanted nothing less than get drawn into a long, drawn-out war in Vietnam. That would be awful. Awful, awful. Awful, um, horrendous. So, good news from Vietnam, obviously. Uh, but tensions <laughs> from Berlin were still continuing. Uh, Khrushchev sent a message through diplomatic channels, and I'll quote, If any lunatic in the United States wants war, Western Europe will hold them back. War in this day and age means no Paris. It means no France. All in the space of an hour. It's been a long time since you can spank us like a little boy. Now we can swat your ass. That's a very good message, actually. Just, <laughs> no, think about it. It's like, if there's a war, there will be no Paris and no France. That's a that's true. Well, yeah, yeah. That's quite, that's quite, quite but chilling, they, actually. They, they really thought that, like, things were going well, and suddenly they get this message from Khrushchev. Yeah. Saying, you can't spank us like a little boy, we're going to spank you. I mean, this is why... And yeah. I don't think historians talk about this, but Khrushchev and Kennedy, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. I think there's something going on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, things aren't going too well there. Uh, no. To be fair, though, Khrushchev did also say that Russia could keep quiet for a while if it helped Kennedy in the upcoming midterms. Khrushchev, remember, would much prefer to have Kennedy in the United States than the likes of Nixon. Hmm. It's like, who knows what would happen if Nixon's there? He's a bit of a hothead. Yeah. So, Russia would be quiet for now, but uh, seriously, we're going to sign this peace deal at some point. We've put the wall up, I know, that eased tensions, but no. Uh, we, we want a unified Germany. We want them to be back. Kennedy had to choose between Berlin and war, or sign a peace treaty and allow Berlin to become its own political force. It, 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 it was, that was the choice he's got now. Yeah. Tricky. The world is a tinderbox. 
An ultimatum had been set and then repeated. Neither side seems likely to back down. People started to really fear that nuclear war over Berlin was about to start. However, the Berlin missile crisis never came to be, because when it did go to the very brink, it was not Europe, but Cuba, yeah. where it happened. Yes, the, the island nation off the south of the United States. Khrushchev had become convinced that the United States were planning another invasion of Cuba, which... Sort of yes and sort of no. Not beyond the realms of possibility. Well, I mean, they were drawing up plans in the United States, but only <laughs> only as a just-in-case. The official line, and the one that Kennedy wanted to follow at the time, was this would make things too unstable, this is a bad idea. I mean, put some plans together just in case, but we really shouldn't do this. So actually, America weren't planning to invade Cuba just yet. I mean, the CIA was still putting together assassination plots of uh, Castro. I mean, that, that's par for course. But they were getting a, such a hard time getting those pigs to uh, put on the fake moustache and the, the spy hat. So, <laughs> it's the accent as well. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, the Warhawk factions really believed they should be going in, but uh, no, it wasn't happening. However, Russia thought it was going to happen, so they decided they needed to do something about it. So they do. In October of 62, a U-2 plane flying over Cuba took photographs of a military build-up on the island nation. Experts soon came to the conclusion that this was a Soviet ballistic missile site being built, one that would be able to deliver nuclear payloads. Now, I may have made this comment in the last episode when you mentioned the U-2 plane. Is Bono piloting? Uh, no, no, uh, the Edge. That makes sense. Bono was shot down over Russia. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a shame. He was one of the pilots that got released earlier. Oh, damn it. Yeah, yeah. That's why they were able to go on and release their albums. Oh, bloody yeah. Joshua Tree. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, the, the, it's a missile site being built. Uh, right. A nuclear missile site just off the coast of Florida. I mean, you could argue that caused genuine concern. Yeah, yeah, you can see why. I mean, the move yeah. would over double the amount of Russian missiles that could reach the mainland of the United States. An mm. obvious escalation in intentions. Yep. However, Khrushchev was convinced that Kennedy was too intelligent to start a nuclear war. They'd be able to ride out the tensions and close a perceived advantage that the United States had over Russia in terms of number of nuclear bombs that they could throw at each other. Hmm. So it's a gamble, but Khrushchev thinks this won't actually lead to war, but it, no. will, but it will mean we're more on a steady footing than the United States, because currently the United States would able, were able to throw more nukes into Russia than vice versa. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a hell of a gamble, but Khrushchev decides to go for it. Now, the plan was to build the base in secret, wait until the midterms were over in America, and then have a meeting with Kennedy and say, surprise, we've got lots of nukes pointing at you. Right, about this peach treaty in Berlin. You're gonna sign it. <laughs> so that's the plan. However, the Americans figured out what was going on. They spotted it. It was no longer a secret. Upon realizing that the Soviets were planning to build this missile base capable of launching nuclear payloads, uh, the president needed to do something and do something incredibly quickly. So let's play How Do You Avoid the Nuclear Holocaust? Da, 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 da. Oh, can I use my flute? Yes, please, do the theme tune. Nuclear war. Right, you've got um, five options. Just bear five? In, five options. Bear in mind, if you choose the wrong one, uh, <laughs> all of civilization as you know it will be wiped out. Oh, my goodness. So no okay. pressure. None at all. 
Okay, so number one. Airstrike the base. Bomb it to smithereens. Nope. The warheads probably aren't there yet, so you can just get rid of the base. Right. Number two, bomb the airbase, but also bomb lots of other things on Cuba. Just really, really bomb Cuba. Just to hammer the point home. <laughs> to hammer the point home. Cripple the nation's ability to build bases again. Number three, land invasion of Cuba. Send in the troops. And by troops, you mean pigs, and they're not very good. Oh, no, no, send in real troops. I mean, the pigs can go as well. They've been training oh. for years, but actually send in your real troops. <laughs> uh, well, they would be so disappointed if they Yeah, exactly. Go. So yeah. send in the real troops and pig squad one through six. And <laughs> you get the bonus of getting rid of Castro at the same time with this one. If you get to him, yeah. Mm. Number four, naval blockade. Stop the Russians from being able to bring any more equipment to build the base. Obviously, this leaves the problem with, well, they're all already almost finished, and if they've already got a nuclear warhead on there, then they'll have one. Uh, number five, yeah, leave them to it. I mean, it's not like Russia couldn't already hit the United States. I mean, does this really change much? What's the difference being hit with 20 nuclear bombs and 40 nuclear bombs? Mm. So, I mean, really, does this hugely change the dynamic of this standoff that we're finding ourselves in. Maybe doing nothing is the sensible answer here, because that way we don't risk going to war. So, what one? What are you doing? I'd go for the naval blockade, because uh, one, two, and three basically just means like attack, which is just means retaliatory action. Yeah. Uh, and a naval blockade is, is passive. Yeah. It's just, we're just blocking you, that's all we're doing. Pa passive but an action but of course then you've got the problem that they will still be able to finish the base and could quite likely install nuclear missiles that were ready to launch within a but week but if they have them there but i imagine the u.s knows whether they have or not they suspect that they're on the island they suspect they're not at the base yet then put the naval blockade on the island <laughs> make them drive around the submarine <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This will really slow down their plans. Yeah. Give the submarines wheels. See, no one's ever thought of that before. Yes. There's pro probably a good reason why, but I think that... Okay, naval blockade, number four. You will be disappointed to learn that Kennedy decides on option one. Really? With all other options being readied. So look into all the others. Get people on all the other uh, things, draw plans... They, they just got sensible Samuel to do option five, do yeah. nothing. And also Samuel got time option six, creates like a, a, a an anti-nuclear shield would be great. Yeah, they weren't listening to him though. They just told him he was ruining democracy. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, option one. In fact, I'll quote Kennedy here. We're certainly doing number one. We're going to take <laughs> out those missiles. <laughs> what I love nice. about this quote is... By the fact he, he actually says we're certainly doing number one, I can imagine he was presented with this list of options in the same way that I gave it to you. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, um, <laughs> yeah, let's do number one. Let's do that. That's, to me, that seems really risky. But I guess, because if, maybe if no Russian citizens are going to be killed, then... Mm, right, well, mm, it is risky. People will be killed. It is an attack on a Russian military site. Ah. Well, I mean, we're still alive now, so I assume it went relatively well. Or something well, happened. To over the next that few happen. days, yeah, over the next few days, it became very clear that option one was harder said than done. The president was advised that they couldn't simply perform a single airstrike and, hey, it's over. Because what about when the Russians resupply? What if they miss their target? Mm. Realistically, this means long-term surveillance and repeated attacks. How long can you keep that up before the Russians start firing back? Yeah, true. So, after three more very long meetings over the next few hours, uh, options had shifted. Round two of how to stop nuclear holocaust. 
Oh, so going for option, another option. Oh yeah, yeah, the options changed after a few meetings. So here we go again. Five more options. They're a bit more detailed now. They've hammered out the details a little bit. Number one, on the 24th of October, see, they've got a date and everything. Mm, send a letter good. to various leaders of the world telling them about the missile site and then bomb it. So not just go and bomb it. Let everyone know what we're doing first. Then send a letter to Russia to explain why they've done it and to warn them not to retaliate. So <laughs> right. essentially the same as option one before, but with the tiniest little amount of diplomacy sprinkled on top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, option two, which was probably called the diplomatic solution, was exactly the same as option one, but we'll let Russia know first. Maybe five minutes before. Yeah. Number three, this actually is the more diplomatic one. Tell the Russians that we are watching and we know what you're doing. Set up a blockade and then, oh, hang on, did I say this is a diplomatic one? Because guess what the third part of this one is? If you don't stop, we'll nuke you in no. the face. Declare war. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Set up the blockade, declare war and start sinking Russian ships. Only if they come close to the blockade, though. That's the whole point of a blockade. You don't yeah. just go and attack. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, number four, uh, extensive airstrikes all over Cuba. That one stayed from the first meeting. Someone obviously clearly liked that. It was their idea. They were sticking with it. The Air Force guy. Yeah, the Air Force guy clearly really liked the idea because option number five is identical to option number four. But, um, I don't know, ask the Russians if they want to talk about it first. Yeah. So there you go. You've got... Tell everyone what's happening and then bomb it. Tell everyone what's happening, including Russia, and then bomb it. Tell Russia that we know what you're up to. We declare war on you and we're blockading Cuba. Bomb Cuba all over or bomb Cuba all over and tell everyone about it. Blockade is the most passive approach. The blockade option has declaring war in it now. Yes, but it's the most passive. War doesn't necessarily mean just sending troops into Russia. Okay. Yeah. I'm still sticking by that. I... Okay, still sticking with I'm, four. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a passive person. Okay, still sticking with four. As you very well know. Okay, a couple of days later, new photographs showed the missiles could actually be ready to fire within the week, if not sooner. I mean, seriously, these missiles are up and they're, they're about to be ready to fire. The Joint Chiefs start urging a full-blown invasion of Cuba. Seriously, we need to go in now with all the troops. If they get them up and running, it's the end. Kennedy was troubled. He realised the danger to the United States, but he was also very aware that if they went in guns blazing, they would come off as the bad guys here. Yep. He privately admitted that the world already thought the United States was, and I quote, slightly demented over Cuba, and that most of the world would think that the missile base, and I quote here, didn't really change the military balance. It's like, well, you've got just as many nukes pointing at Russia... So, if anything, this balances it up more. So, at this point, US have got their missiles kind of... Are they in Eastern Europe? Or they're... Or like, yeah. Or they, like maybe the Middle East. Am I misremembering? There's, there's somewhere. There, there's, yeah, you've got some some in Turkey. You've got some in Western Europe. Um, you've yeah. got some on submarines that are just floating around in the sea. Um <laughs> That yeah. sounds dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the Russians have, uh, in submarines, um, naval uh, capacity to fire nukes. This will be the first land nukes that they'd be able to launch onto the mainland U United okay. States. But no one really knows how many nukes the other side has. Okay. Both sides vastly overestimated how many the other side had. Well, that, I imagine it was propaganda. We've got three yeah, exactly. billion nuclear warheads. Yeah. But it would appear the United States were very much uh, in the lead here. Um, 
but I mean it didn't really make much difference because both sides had more than enough is how many nukes they had. Yeah. Yeah. So many times you can use a nuke before no one's around to start using nukes anymore. Um, so anyway, uh, Kennedy's not sure what to do here. Everyone's telling him to go in. He's getting flashbacks to the Bay of Pigs. He doesn't want another that again. And if he gets it wrong this time, it won't be an embarrassment. It will be nuclear war. So he and his brother and a few others pointed out that if they attack Cuba without warning, the United States would be performing their own Pearl Harbor. Yeah, yeah. We were outraged when the Japanese did that to us, but we're now saying we're going to do that to Cuba. It's attacking with no actual provocation. So what about this blockade idea, says Kennedy, but without the declaring war thing? Because perhaps the whole declaring war thing's a bad idea. A little bit of escalation. Yeah. Why don't we set up a blockade, prevent any more missiles arriving on the island? That's at least a start. But obviously, what about the missiles already on the island that are going to be operational within days? So let's tell Russia that we know about the base, that we are watching them, and if we don't see those missiles being dismantled very soon, we will invade. Yeah? Sounds sensible? Um, again, slightly... Yeah, I mean, yes. yes. Yeah, you're going I'm with not, that I'm not world leader. So, Around yeah, this time, it just so happened that there was a scheduled meeting with the Russian foreign minister. Now, the Russian foreign minister was having this meeting to explain to the United States, don't worry, there's quite a lot of arms arriving on Cuba, but they are purely defensive. We are given the Cubans arms and military support to defend themselves just in case any country, and I'm not accusing any country, but just in case any country invades them. Nuclear weapons aren't defensive. No, 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 there's no nukes. Oh. No, no, we're, we're giving them guns. We're giving them, I don't know, tanks right. and stuff. We're giving them arms, basic, simple arms to help them defend themselves. That's all. Yeah. Kennedy didn't let on that he knew this was a lie. He had the photographs of the nukes in his drawer whilst he was talking to the uh, the Russian minister. He did say something along the lines of, this situation is possibly the most dangerous situation in all of human history. Uh, mm -hmm. But the Russian minister didn't get the hint, because when he reported back to Khrushchev, he said, yep, the Americans are in the dark, we're getting away with this. Hmm. So, another day of deliberations. Round three of how to avoid nuclear holocaust. <laughs> You've got two options now. Really homing in there. Number one, do nothing. Sensible Samuels finished his report. Seriously, what does this change? If we retaliate, it would damage the alliance in NATO. It could endanger Berlin. If we attack, the Russians would attack Berlin. Our allies in Europe will blame us. So let's not do anything. Okay. Option number two, blockade. Blockade. So stick with your blockade. Okay. As you can it's imagine... The, literally, it is the best option because it's passive. Yeah. You're not... Yeah. You're not doing nothing, but you're showing a bit of kind of, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't, yeah. <laughs> well, as you can imagine, the chiefs, chiefs of staff were not happy at all that airstrikes and invasions seemed to have been taken off the table, arguing that this made the United States seem weak. One even threatened to go public, which really annoyed Kennedy, who hmm. said afterwards, these brass hats have one thing in their favour. If we listen to them and do what they want us to do, none of us will be alive later to tell them that they were wrong. He was feeling the strain. I'll quote him again. No one has a right to grade a president, not even poor James Buchanan, who has not sat in this chair. Hmm. To which I say, I'll be the judge of that, Kennedy. We'll be rating you <laughs> soon. It was decided they were going to go public, let the world know what was going on, and they were going to set up a blockade. Hey, I uh, did it. Yeah, I got it right. 
Yeah, yeah, you got it right. Totally got it right. You stuck See, to your guns. From the beginning, it's almost like, it's almost like, Rob, I knew. It's almost like it's happened in the past and you already yeah. knew. But I'm, I'm totally with you. It, it seems like the best option every single way. Uh, yeah, of course. And, and I really think I, I tried to suggest why, you know, it's, it's yeah, passive, yeah. but showing yeah. a bit of A now. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, stressful situation, but I think I probably would have gone down the same line as Kennedy. Um uh, I'm glad they didn't go the big smashy smashy with a hammer route immediately because that could have mm. been disastrous. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he addressed the public in a 17 minute minute speech. Uh, in it, he bluntly called out the Russian foreign minister for lying to his face, said that the Russians have created a nuclear strike capability in Cuba, and that the United States would not tolerate this, and therefore was blockading Cuba. In fact, let's listen to a little bit of this speech. Yeah. Acting, therefore, in the defense of our own security and of the entire Western Hemisphere and under the authority entrusted to me by the Constitution as endorsed by the resolution of the Congress, I have directed that the following initial steps be taken immediately. First, to halt this offensive buildup, a strict quarantine on all offensive military equipment under shipment to Cuba is being initiated. All ships of any kind bound for Cuba, from whatever nation or port, where they're found to contain cargoes of offensive weapons, be turned back. This quarantine will be extended, if needed, to other types of cargo and carriers. We are not at this time, however, denying the necessities of life, as the Soviets attempted to do in their Berlin blockade of 1948. Second, I have directed the continued and increased close surveillance of Cuba and its military buildup. The foreign ministers of the OAS, in their communique of October 6, rejected secrecy on such matters in this hemisphere. Should these offensive military preparations continue, thus increasing the threat to the hemisphere, further action will be justified. I have directed the armed forces to prepare for any eventualities, and I trust that in the interest of both the Cuban people and the Soviet technicians at the site, the hazard to all concerned of continuing this threat will be recognised. So, yeah, there you go. That's a little bit of uh, his speech. Hmm. I liked the little dig at Russia in there yeah. about, about Berlin. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, that is a uh, like a, a minute-and-a-half snippet of a 17-minute speech. Uh, he goes on after this to say that if the Russians retaliate against any allies, including West Berlin, there would be consequences. Ooh. Okay. So, 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 teacher, there will be consequences. I'm not going to say what they are. But you will regret yeah, it. Use your imagination. Oh, yes. Yeah. Don't make me phone your mother, Khrushchev. <laughs> now, by the next morning, there had been no response from Russia whatsoever. So that's tense. Mm. One person in the White House said actually they'd had an amazing victory because they were still all alive. To be fair, yeah. I mean, that's a fair yeah. point. Gives you a sense of the gallows humour that was going on at the time. We're still here, so it's clearly not bad. <laughs> yeah. Finally, at noon, word came from Khrushchev. The blockade was a serious violation of international norms and could lead to catastrophic consequences. He also repeated the claim that the weapon buildup on Cuba was defensive. What are you, on earth are you talking about nuclear weapons? There are none. Yeah, Kennedy sent a letter back stating that the Soviets started this by secretly furnishing offensive weapons to Cuba. The blockade is happening. Do nothing to escalate this. 
Meanwhile, a new idea had come up. Someone suggested something. What about, right, we offer to take down our missiles in Turkey? Hmm. I mean, it's good having those there, but they're not vital. Bit of a compromise. Now, obviously, we won't be able to do this first. We can't be seen to be capitulating. But <laughs> if the Soviets dismantle in Cuba with a promise that we dismantle in Turkey, would that work right? Someone go through the back channels. Uh, keep this very quiet, but put out some feelers. The next day, it was predicted that the missiles in Cuba were close to being functional, as in within a day or so. Hmm. It's like, yeah, this is very close. Also, there were reports of more ships carrying more nuclear warheads approaching the blockade. Uh, well, that's roughly, roughly two hours away from the blockade, in fact. The tension in the White House apparently was unbearable. Everyone had not slept, everyone's face looked very grey. Uh, they are two hours away from the start of nuclear war. If those boats try and push through the blockade, they are going to have to fire upon the boats. Well, that's not good. That puts it down on the Friday. It's Pub Friday as well. I but... know. They, they're not going to get out in time. They know right. it. They know right. it. As Kennedy was surrounded by his advisors and chiefs of staff talking about what to do about these incoming vessels, a note arrived. Apparently, the ships had turned around. That's good. There's a massive sigh of relief all round. One in the room saying, we're eyeball to eyeball, and I think the other fellow just blinked. <laughs> yeah, so huge relief. There was a bit of stress when someone said, our ships know not to chase the uh, retreating Russian ships, don't they? And everyone went, oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> so they very quickly sent messages out saying, don't chase them, don't chase them. But um, yeah, fortunately, everything was fine there. Uh, however, a letter from Khrushchev soon arrived that uh, didn't fill them with hope. He said that Russia would not submit to the blockade and that they had everything necessary to fight. The United States' mm. response to the letter was to tell Russia that if they defied the blockade, they would invade Cuba. So, great that those boats turned away, but we're still exactly where we were this morning. Yeah. It's still on the brink. However, what the United States did not know is that Khrushchev had actually been advised by this point, we need to back down. His military were not confident they would actually win this war. Uh, I mean, a wow. conventional war in the Caribbean, there's no way we can win. It's too far away. We can't win that war. Yeah. And so a one nuclear why war... British didn't win the American... Self, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and a nuclear war, well, everyone loses that war. So <laughs> yeah. maybe we need to start backing out of this. So Khrushchev starts looking for a way out, but obviously in the White House, no one realises this. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, in the meeting that day, everyone was sat around very worried because the missiles in Cuba now appear to be functional. Ah, the yeah. red lights are going off. Beep. On, on the missile, from the, from the rocks, from the, from yes. the planes going up, they can see the red light flashing. Yeah, exactly. It says, ready. Yeah. They'd yeah. seen one of the scientists plug it into charge. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, um, okay, well, the blockade now is less important because there's no Russian ships near the blockade. It doesn't look like they're going to break it, but what do we do about this nuke? So, Joint Chief of Staffs yet again say airstrikes. It's the only option. We need to go and bomb it. Huge pressure put on Kennedy at this point to order the attack. Yeah. Kennedy decided to leave some time for the Russians to back down. After all, they've already not tested the blockade, despite Khrushchev's words, so let's give them 48 hours. Let's do nothing for 48 hours, and if nothing changes, then maybe we need to bomb it. Yeah. 
So here we are now. Okay, not two hours away from nuclear war, but we're now 48 hours away from nuclear war. It's better than two hours, right? Better than two hours. In the end, they only actually had to wait two hours before a long rambling letter arrived from Khrushchev. Uh, the tone. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Well, it wasn't quite that. But, you know, apparently, they, they got the impression that this hadn't been uh, vetted. It hadn't gone through the usual redrafts. It was obviously <laughs> written in a hurry. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, a very different tone. Uh, he continued to state the weapons on Cuba were not offensive and nuclear. I don't know what you're talking about. But he also said, but we don't need to argue about this. Because, after all, if the United States promised not to invade Cuba, there wouldn't be any need for defensive weapons. And we'd take them away. Yeah, we'd take the defensive weapons away. Yeah, How about the non, non-nuclear yeah, de- we'll take, defensive Yeah, we'll take weapons. those away. Yeah. So, the United States and Kennedy are thinking about this. I mean, this sounds pretty good. That this sounds better than we could have hoped for. This mm. is, all we need to do is say we promise not to invade and all this goes away. This is amazing. However, by the next day, another version of the letter was released to the public. It was almost identical, but it had been polished up a bit, and it had one important difference. This time, it included the compromise of the United States dismantling their missiles in Turkey. Obviously, the inquiries through the back channels had reached them, and Russia had gone, yeah, that sounds good. But instead of keeping it all hush-hush, they decided, no, we're going to say you should do it and make you do it, to make us seem like we've won. Safe face, yeah. Yeah. So, to stall for time, the White House issued a statement saying that several conflicting proposals have come from Russia in the last 24 hours. Uh, we will release something soon. Inside the White House, there was a huge debate on whether to accept this. Yes, it would weaken the US. Yes, it would look like we kind of lost this. But as Kennedy put it, and I'll quote, to any rational man, the Turkey-Cuba swap looks like a very fair trade. Well, it is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But it was decided not to agree to it. Instead, they were going to just ignore the second letter and respond to the first one. So they publicly stated that as long as Russia started dismantling the missiles, the United States would end the blockade and give written assurances that the United States would not invade Cuba. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, at the same time, Kennedy sent his brother through back channels to give a less formal but just a serious message to Khrushchev. And Bobby Kennedy's message was essentially this. Accept this. Seriously, (laughs) accept this. Because if you don't... The president is going to have to cave to the pressure from his joint chiefs. Yeah. And an airstrike is going to happen. And that will mean nuclear war and the destruction of us all. You need to accept in 24 hours. And I'll quote at the end, this is not an ultimatum, just a statement of fact. It's like we've reached the brink here. Yeah. It's time for you to back down. However, to sweeten the deal, how about this? Obviously, we're not going to publicly say we're going to withdraw our missiles from Turkey because it looks like the United States are weak. But once we don't have to worry about Cuba anymore, we'll have lots of spare time. And who knows what we might do with that spare time? Maybe we'll dismantle our weapons in in Turkey. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we will. Who knows? So Khrushchev's response was swift. Publicly, he agreed to the terms of the public American proposal. And privately, he agreed to the removal of the Turkish missiles. Nice. 
there was huge relief, not just in Washington, but obviously across the world, because most understood this was the closest the world has ever got to nuclear war. Yeah. And for now, they've pulled back from the brink. But, ooh, that was, that was changing trousers time for a while there. It really was. It's good that he held his nerve. Yeah. Because mm. you, you can have a leader that's all bulky and... Trumpian, like, oh, I'm the best. There were certainly um, many presidents we have had before this and since yeah. where I can imagine they would have made the wrong move here. Yeah. And as much as us two can sit here in the benefit of hindsight, both yeah. saying, yeah, no, yeah. I would have said blockade. That seems like the sensible option. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier to say from here, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. So, there you go. Anyway. The world's not exploded. That's nice. Uh, the next major issue, civil rights. It's back oh. in the news. Yeah, uh, clashes in Birmingham, Alabama. This is all over a desegregation of education again, which I'm not going to go into a huge amount of detail on because I've talked about it before, but just know that's still ongoing. Yeah. Uh, school kids protesting against the racist laws of the state uh, started to be attacked by police dogs and hosed down by firemen. It's not a good look, is it? It's not a good look. Pictures of children being attacked by the authorities just because they were black spread across the news. Mm. Kennedy saw this and apparently was very shocked. But apparently this kind of woke something up in him, where he realised, you know what, enough's enough. Now, that said, he also genuinely believed the FBI's assessment that uh, Martin Luther King was working with the communists to embarrass the United States over their racism. Um, so he, he wasn't particularly sure about Martin Luther King and uh, the leaders of the civil rights movement, but he got to the point where he was thinking something does need to be done here. If, even if that was true, which obviously isn't, mm. It's still bad things happening to human, other human beings, so... Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. So he needs to do something, but what? The governor of Alabama was a man named Wallace. Uh, Wallace was an out-and-out card-carrying racist. Uh, he had been elected on a platform promising segregation yesterday, segregation today, segregation forever. Why? So, um, so he wasn't going to be much of a help. Well, maybe the CIA can see to that. <laughs> well, Send Ken in the pigs! <laughs> <laughs> Kennedy attempted to talk to Wallace, but he was met with hostility and racist remarks that really angered <laughs> Kennedy. He came out of it just really annoyed. He was generally angered by the South by this point. He was just annoyed that the South have had a hundred years since the Civil War and they are still refusing to ever compromise on issues of race. So it was time, he thought, for a serious new look on civil rights laws. Good. Now, most of his advisers told him, no, come on, don't do this, be sensible. It's likely you'll fail, it will make you look weak, an election's coming up, this is not the time to do it. And also, you're going to lose support of the Southern Democrat wing of the party, which is a substantial wing of the party. Yeah, so if they're racist, they can get f***ed. <laughs> But it's a large part of the party. The Democrats would fall apart. You could split the party here. So yeah, don't that's, do that's, this. That's, yeah, but yeah, that's getting political rather than And again, like, it's a uh, difference between what's right and what's easy. Kennedy made yeah. up his mind. If the country was going to move forward, they need to start taking this issue more seriously. So he announced with a speech, and I'll quote here, 100 years of delay have passed since Lincoln freed the slaves, and yet their heirs are not truly free. They are not yet free from the bonds of injustice. They are not yet free from social and economic injustice. It's coming out much stronger than he's ever done before, whereas before it was just, yeah. Whereas now yeah. He's, he's really, really going for it. He's, he's um, set a signpost, which is good. Yeah. 
Uh, Martin Luther King, who from before this was no fan of Kennedy, thinking that um, the biggest danger to the black man was the centralist white man who was coming along yeah. saying, I agree with your aims, just I don't but. think you should be doing it now. Um, yeah. yeah, but um, Martin Luther King was uh, pleased with this change in Kennedy, um, although still obviously very cautious. Uh, but the proposed bill was definitely the most far-reaching the country had ever seen to tackle racism. It would ensure voting rights to all citizens with a sixth grade education, meaning a lot more black people were eligible to vote. It introduced laws that eliminated discrimination in public places. It strengthened the federal government's powers to enforce desegregation in education. And it introduced laws to help uh, protect black people from job discrimination as well. So it's starting to get into employment. So, I mean, it's doing a whole bunch of things. Definitely the best Civil Rights Act being proposed so far. Yeah. Obviously, the Southern Democrats were outraged by the idea of black people being treated like human beings. Uh, so, <laughs> Kennedy God. was going to have to approach the Republicans. He was going to have to go across party lines here if he was going to get it through. Good. Now, that good. is not going to be easy. And there was a very good chance it was going to fail. But he pushed for it anyway. After all, as we have started to see over the last couple of episodes... There had been a slow shift in the South, and people were starting to think the South might just turn Republican for the first time ever. Now, in that case, the Democrats might as well stop pandering to this racist wing of their party. If they were going to lose them anyway to the Republicans, well, let's just get rid of it. We don't need this wing of the party. Now, that was the attitude of some. Now, after this, Kennedy went on a trip to Europe to rally support for NATO, which is nice. As we've seen, uh, Berlin was obviously on Kennedy's mind a lot as president, so he made sure that was included in the trip, and he went and delivered a speech. Uh, he talked about how America saw it as a privilege to be defending world peace, despite the fact in private he actually complained that the European countries were getting an easy ride thanks to the United States. Well, I mean, to be fair, the United States were pouring money into Europe to keep it afloat after World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, once he was in Berlin, he delivered a speech to the citizens of West Berlin. Uh, one of his, again, one of his famous speeches here. Mm. He promised them that they would not be forgotten, and he proudly declared that he was a donut. Ah. I- I've heard other things about that. Yeah, what, what things? That he didn't... He, he... Like grammatically, it wasn't actually a donut. It was just this sort of like an urban myth that sort of spawned. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, it is one of the. Yeah, any fans of Eddie Izzard will have heard this story. Yeah, because he does a whole skit on it. Um, well, and... that's where you get most of your research from. So. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yes, it is actually <laughs> more complex than that. Uh, the actual quote is: 2000 years ago, the proudest boast was Sybil Romana's son. Today, in the world of freedom, the proudest boast is Ich bin ein Berliner." But there is debate on whether he actually said Ich bin ein Berliner, whether it was an accent because he was just bad at German and made it sound like that. Um, Also, ein Berliner, so in the same way a hamburger um, or a frankfurter, ein Berliner was a a different way of saying a jelly donut in Germany, but apparently not in Berlin. Apparently that was in different parts of Germany. Certainly at the time, no one thought it was a strange thing. Everyone took the meaning to be, I am a Berliner. No one in the crowd was looking at each other confused. Uh, but since then, people yeah. have been pouring over scripts going, hang on, he said he was a donut. So, <laughs> yeah, the story's not quite as funny as you'd hope it would be. But, yeah, 
So yeah. if you've come across that story before... But that's, for this uh, podcast, he declared he's a massive donut. But for this podcast, he said, I'm a donut. Nixon's a spring roll. <laughs> Actually, nice. Nixon wouldn't be a spring roll. It'd be something more greasy. <laughs> anyway, right, so... A good tour of Europe, um, which was nice. He had fun. Uh, he went to Ireland for a bit because, obviously, Irish roots. Anyway, back home, he starts thinking about the election. Uh, his push on civil rights was definitely harming him. It appeared that by working with moderate Republicans, he might actually get the bill through, but his opinion polls were really struggling. People started to fear he was actually going to lose the next election over this. One reporter asked if civil rights was worth the election, and Kennedy replied that a president needed to meet his responsibilities by ensuring the rights of all citizens. Oh, that's a great answer. Yeah. Uh, now, while all this was going on, Martin Luther King gave his famous I Have a Dream speech. Mm. Ah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that happens at this point. There was a lot of nerves beforehand about whether this should go ahead because a lot of people predicted this would turn into riots in the capital. After all, that many black people in one space is bound to be violence. No. Yeah. A lot of planning went in to make sure that things like toilets were available and food was available and just the <laughs> basic things that people need in gatherings. Let's make sure this is organised uh, and let's hope it goes well. And... As I'm sure you're aware, it was a very successful protest. Uh, there were no I've heard it was. Someone had a dream. It, it went down well, that speech. In fact, the speeches were such a huge success that there was a sense of optimism afterwards that this bill actually would get passed oh. safely. When King met Kennedy later that evening in the White House, Kennedy shook his hand and just said, I have a dream. It's starting to go quite well. Uh, mm. Right up until a point where someone blew up a church in Birmingham, killing four young children. Yes. Four black girls, dead. That's horrible. Yeah, uh, as you can imagine, tensions flare up again after this, and the optimism soon evaporates. Uh, Kennedy soon starts to doubt this bill is actually going to pass. Uh, he angrily said at this time, a lot of these fellas would rather have an issue than a bill. He pointed hmm. out that a lot in the Republican Party felt that they'd lost the black vote for good, so they might as well, and I quote here, play the white game in the South. Oh. So some in the Republican Party saying, well, we've kind of disenfranchised the, the black vote, so we might as well pander to the racist and sweep up the, uh, the Southern Democrats. So they're politically racist, which has now turned into real racism. That's very interesting. Mm. Now, obviously, the 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 switch of the parties mm. uh, is not an instant thing. It no, happened over time, as we've seen. But this yeah. really is the the tipping point. This is really where we start to see Republicans having a strong hold in the South and the Democrats in the North, rather than the other way around. Um, wow. So. Anyway, the campaign heats up. Kennedy starts touring the country. In particular, in order to limit the damage in the South, he plans to visit Florida and Texas. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. His trip to Florida was unremarkable. Well, I say that. I can't say I looked into it that much. Who knows what would happen? Maybe all sorts of crazy stuff, but uh, yeah. I'm running out of words and he's got to get to Texas. So <laughs> 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 then he goes to Texas. Uh, yeah, there's slight worries about the hostility towards the president in Dallas. Worries that far-right groups would lead demonstrations, or even worse. Uh, one of these groups put an ad in a Dallas paper accusing the Kennedy brothers of being pro-communist. Kennedy saw this ad and showed it to Jackie and said, <laughs> We're heading into nut country today. <laughs> 
But Jackie, if someone wants to shoot me from a window with a rifle, no one can stop it, so why worry? Well, there we go. There we go. So just no, he wasn't worried. Did he actually say that? Apparently so. My God. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, um, it's weird. It's sort of... Um... A bit like Caesar. Yeah, it, it reminds me of Caesar saying, I don't need my bodyguards because if someone just wants to come up and stab me, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. Um, just yeah. before he got stabbed. So, <laughs> mm. tip for you, if you're a politician, don't say, well, if someone wants to kill me, why worry about it really loudly? <laughs> uh, because uh, you're tempting fate. Anyway, on November the 22nd at 12.30, Kennedy was being driven through Dallas. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, and then suddenly a bullet ripped through his neck and then his head. He was dead 30 minutes later. Yeah, the fact it took 30 minutes. Oh, I'm not sure if it took 30 minutes. I, he might have died soon. He's dead. He was yeah. proclaimed dead. They gave up trying to make him live. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> he's still not alive, sir. Um, but even the video, you can see, like, hit... He grabs his neck, he's at the side, yeah. then it hits his head, and it's, oh, then Jackie over the bat. Oh, it's, it's very sad. It's well, th really this is sad, the crazy actually. thing. After oh, 250 plus episodes of covering the lives of 250 plus people, mm. we've got to a point now where we've actually seen this person die. Yes. On TV. Yeah, wow. Which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, less than an hour after this, a man named Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested. He was a Marine mm. veteran found nearby. Uh, he was arrested for the assassination, and then less than two days later, Oswald was shot and killed in the basement of the police headquarters. By uh, Ruby... Tuesday. Ruby. No, She's no, that's a different Ruby. Jack Ruby. Uh, Jack Ruby. Jack Ruby. Yes, well yes. done, Jack Ruby. But what happens? This is where we get to decide... Who killed JFK? No, because we know who killed JFK. Is Lee no, Harvey Jamie, Jamie, what? Jamie, we get to play. Get get your flute out and do the theme tune. <sighs> who killed JFK? Number one. The official conclusion of the original investigation. Oswald acted alone in killing the president, and Jack mm -hmm. Ruby acted alone killing Oswald. Straightforward. Yeah. Okay. Like Occam's razor, kind of, it's mm. the most simple explanation, it makes sense, it fits all the criteria, mm. that's the answer, kind of thing. Well, yeah. this version's never sat well with the public. A majority of Americans... Uh, that doesn't matter what the public think, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, let, let me continue. Ma Facts matter, A majority Sorry. of Americans thought at the time and since that there was more to it than this. And in fact, um, in 1979... After a few more assassinations had happened, uh, and the Watergate scandal had happened, and there was lots of worry about um, corruption and cover-ups, another House Select Committee, called the House Select Committee on Assassinations, which is a very cool-sounding committee. Yeah. What, what committee are you on? Oh, I'm on the Housing Committee. You? Uh, oh, garbage disposal. What about you? <laughs> Turned to the guy dressed completely in black. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking a small cigarette. <laughs> assassinations yeah <laughs> he just steps backwards into a dark room and the door closes on its own and the word assassination committee is on the door oh. yeah it's a very cool committee anyway this committee found serious flaws in the first committee it concluded that oswald was the assassin yeah you got that right oswald clearly was the assassin but they also stated that a second gunman was almost certainly involved oh yeah. Based on blood spatter and stuff. 
And also, there was a very ch serious chance of conspiracy. Now, sealed documents from this investigation that might shed new light on things were sealed until 2017. Wow. Yeah. But then 2017 came round and Trump pushed it back to 2021. And right. then Biden, saying, oh, there's too much COVID, we're all very busy, pushed it to December this year. So who knows, maybe in December we'll learn some more facts about these committees and what they found out. Maybe it will be pushed back again. We'll see what happens. You're just releasing files. There's, there's no effort in that. It's just like, press the release button. Yeah, and I the know. the pigeons I get know. released finally after 60 years. <laughs> they just fall out their cages. Yeah. These dusty <laughs> <Skeletons>. pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> Peel off a document from their little little feet. Uh, yeah, um... <laughs> Yeah, obviously, the fact that these files have been sealed away has led to lots of people uh, having lots of conspiracy theories, especially about the second shooter. Now, it should be said, second shooter theory has been hotly debated since. There have been reconstructions done, mathematical equations done, all sorts done around it, uh, and there is still debate over it. Some people say that scientifically you can prove there was a second gunman, and some people say no, scientifically you can prove there wasn't, it's just the blood splattered in a way you wouldn't expect it to and we can recreate it. Who knows? Anyway, this leads to the other options. So option one, remember, was Oswald acted alone, Jack Ruby acted alone. Number two, Kennedy was killed by two gunmen, acting alone or in part of a small group of extremists, and the second gunman shot from the grassy knoll and escaped, and was never caught. Hmm. Number three, Oswald was actually hired by the mob. The mob had casinos in Cuba that were no longer open, and they were unhappy that Kennedy had not taken Castro down. On top of this, Kennedy as Attorney General had been talking about taking out the mob, so the mob hired a hitman. Right. Okay. Number four, Oswald was hired by the Cubans or the Russians. I'm lumping those together. Uh, Oswald was in Mexico City a couple of months beforehand, so who knows, maybe he got some orders from there. Yeah. <laughs> Number five, Ted Cruz's dad did it. Yes, that's it. This one is simply just one of Trump's bizarre accusations that has no basis in reality whatsoever. I unfortunately yeah. did have to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole to just see where the hell he got this from. Uh, he got it from a really dodgy tabloids newspaper report that had um yeah on, someone had said that man with uh, lee harvey oswald looks a little bit similar to the passport photo of ted cruz's dad that is literally it from that they decided yeah, yeah ted cruz's dad was involved in the assassination so yeah yeah well trump not known for his uh mm. you know detail uh number six aliens <laughs> number eight the cia did it Rogue elements of the CIA, annoyed that Kennedy was not supporting them enough over Cuba and the Bay of Pigs, decided to take him out. One theory is that the driver was actually a CIA agent and turned around in the car and shot the president. So, there's that. And then finally, uh. number nine, JFK killed himself. Ha- what? Well, the crew of Red Dwarf, with a time machine, went back in time and accidentally saved him. Then they realised the world went really, really bad, and they therefore yeah. met up with JFK and convinced him the only way to brighten the course of history was for him to assassinate himself on oh. the grassy knoll. I love that episode. It's Tickets such a ride. good episode. Such a good Tickets episode of Red Dwarf. Because it, it, it's, it's where the great, like, great comedy can do mm. like a really serious yeah. episode. Like when he 
dies. Like, that's really sad. Yeah, he and walks it's, away and he it really is in a period of Red Dwarf when it's kind of lost its way a bit. Red Dwarf isn't great in that period, but this Series seven, this yeah. one episode is amazing. If you're listening and it you've really never is. watched the uh, JFK episode of Red Dwarf, hunt it down and watch it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so there you go. There there are your options. Uh, what, who, how did he die? He, he he got killed by Lee Harvey Oswald, and he was um, apparently quite a disturbed individual. Um, he, I believe something to do with he went he sympathised the USSR. Yeah, went a bit mad. He was army trained or something like that. Yeah, um, the uh, one of the reasons why um, it's theorised that he managed to get away with it is because the FBI were far too focused on far right extremists. Mm. who were making a lot of noise in Dallas about how awful the Kennedys were for being pro-communist. So the pro-communist crazy man in Dallas kind of slipped through the cracks because they just weren't looking for pro-communists. They were looking for pro-fascists. So, um, yeah. Uh, So you're you're just going for number one, are you? Well, yeah. He admitted to it as well. (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah. I mean, I am willing to accept aliens because obviously... Um, I'm also willing to accept that maybe it was a small group of them and there were two gunmen and one of them ran away afterwards and just stayed very quiet. But I wouldn't say there's really that likely of a bigger conspiracy than that. The idea that the Cubans or the Russians did it is ludicrous. Why would they want someone else rather than Kennedy in? I mean, things things almost went to the brink, but Khrushchev and... Kennedy kind of got a system going. It would be dangerous to disable the United yeah. States. So it just makes yeah. no sense. The CIA did it. It's just, oh, come on, that's just a plot from a spy novel. Don't get me wrong. The CIA have done some awful stuff, but they tend to do awful stuff to other countries. Mm. Them getting rid of Kennedy makes yeah. very little sense. I mean, worst comes to worst, Kennedy's going to be around for five more years. And then they're just get another president it's, it wouldn't be worth the risk that's the trouble conspiracy theorists they think very short term yeah like, it's it just think it's, more long since i five years this we can cover yeah. this it's, and if the cia really wanted to concoct some kind of plan then surely they could do something to just make sure kennedy lost the next election yeah yeah it, it, and they could create a situation rather than yeah i mean it, it just it doesn't seem likely at all no. uh and as for the mob one yeah it just the the motive's not there enough i mean nope. governments always talk about taking on the mob so yeah okay i'm going with you it's it's all very boring but yeah I think he was just a lone gunman. Because, let's face it, we've seen these lone crazy people killing presidents before, and yet they're not all part of a massive conspiracy. Yeah, weird that. Yeah, weird that. Um, but why? Why is there all the conspiracy? Well, some theories is that it's because it was the arguably the first major TV event. And because mm. so many people saw it with their own eyes, they had to come and yeah. come up with a reason to make it make sense. Mm. So that is possibly why. There is this huge yeah, conspiracy thing around it. It's so big, it was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So sh- yeah. surely sh- surely someone is controlling this. Yeah. Same with uh, Diana, Princess Diana at the time. Yes, yes, exactly. Same thing. Cool. Okay, then. Right. So he's dead. And that is the end of our episode. But we need to judge yeah. him. So let's go. Are, are we going to do his post-presidency? Um, oh, yeah. No, he, he spent a while um, having a rest. Cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Statesmanship. Statesmanship. Okay, so this is a bit complex. Um, Kennedy's often held up as one of the best presidents. Yeah, that... Easily in the top ten. Yeah. The post-war presidents, he is considered the best in most polls. Yeah. Yeah. Even beating the likes of Reagan or Obama. I know they have a lot of support in certain areas, but they didn't have across-the-board support. Kennedy, clearly, very, very popular. But... Was he good? Uh, well, let's look at his domestic successes here. I mean, he does need some praise for attempting to push through that civil rights reform, which yeah. was more done than any president since Lincoln. Now, it was only right towards the end that he started to get behind it. You really can argue he should have done more. It was only when kids started to be killed in Alabama that he realised that he had to do something. Up until then, he was happy for the status quo to continue. I'd argue to be truly great in this area, he should have led his presidency pushing this, rather than waiting for the race riots. Mm -hmm. But you've got to give him credit for finally actually doing something, which is more than pretty much any other president has done. Yes. So, I, I, and, and that is important. Yeah. Because, so, you know, you, you, you are of your time as well. Yeah. So I, um, I think he, get, he gets points there, yeah. definitely. I agree. He should also get some credit for introducing more funding for schools and for Medicare mm -hmm. over 65s. There was some boring stuff going on in the background, but is important. Now, none of these things I've mentioned, by the way, including civil rights reform, actually went through while he was still president because he was shot. Uh, but he, he, he put in the legwork, so I think we can attribute yeah. it to him. Right, and then we go on to foreign affairs, which really is a mixed bag. I mean, the good, obviously, is the Cuban Missile Crisis. This is a flashpoint in history, arguably never paralleled. Hmm. And the human race got through it, so he needs credit there. It's easy to see how this could have gone wrong, and he made the right calls. We know he yeah. made the right calls because we didn't all die. Yeah. So that's pretty much the only good thing he did do. The Bay of Pigs was bad. That yeah. was just the actions of a weak president. He didn't stand up to his advisers. They were lying through their teeth to the president, and he lied through his teeth to the public. So that's not good. We've not had time to go into it, but he escalated the United States role in Vietnam with putting the advisers in. There are continued uh, CIA plots to usurp other governments going on that he is approving. Uh, there is still the economic guttering of uh, Southern America by the United States that Kennedy is happy to wave through. So, I mean, there's all of this bad stuff going on in the background. Yeah. Uh, but one major thing that I kind of cut for time, which you might be surprised by, but when it came down to it, it's like, do I really need to spend time on this right now? The space race. As much as I personally find the space race really interesting, it's not actually the most important thing that was going on, so I kind of cut it. No. It started under Eisenhower, uh, but he wasn't too interested. As senator, Kennedy opposed the idea of spending so much money being spent on space travel. And then as president, he was very sceptical on whether to continue. It's very expensive going into space. Hmm. You could spend that on the military <laughs> or schools. <laughs> or yeah. Uh, however... Once Yuri Gagarin was launched into space in 1961, the public mood changed in America. The United States had to beat the Russians to the moon. And this is yeah. another famous speech of his. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Yeah. But actually because we want to beat the Russians. Well, yeah. 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 That's why. 
because mm. we're worried they will develop military tech in space and they will be able to kill us, so we need to be ahead of them. Yeah, um, Kennedy asked, what can we do that's impressive in space before the Russians? Uh, the answer was not much. Uh, the only thing yeah. maybe we might be able to do, because we're so far behind, is be the first to get to the moon if that's all we focus on, because the Russians are ahead everywhere else. So Kennedy went, great, okay, get us to the moon then. So that's why the human race got to the moon eventually, is because yeah. one country wanted to sh- just show off in front of another one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Statesmanship, then. The negatives sort of outweigh the positives. Oh, you see, I'd argue the other way around. Although, Mm -hmm. the whole fact we're not dead... Getting us through the Cuban Missile Crisis is huge, and the biggest push in civil rights reform, although he didn't lead it, he was dragged along, but he did... He didn't resist, which most other presidents have. Um, I think those are two really good things. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is like, there are technically more than this of not great, but actually the the things he did were actually bloody yeah. massive. Yeah. And still with us today. Yeah. But like everyone's heard of, you know, not dying. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's yeah. heard of um, civil rights and you yeah. know, things being better for, yeah. for people in the US, although not all the time. And everyone's heard of uh, Neil Armstrong. So, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a big impact. Um, I'm going to go. Six or seven. I'm going to go six. I'm going to go for six. Because let's face it, it, he wasn't a very good senator when he was in the Senate. He wasn't very good at anything he did. He was mediocre at pretty much all his jobs. But he pulled a couple of things out of the bag which were impressive. Yeah. So for that, six. So a total of 12. Okay. To begin with... The biggest one, the womanizing. He lied, he Yay. cheated on countless women throughout his life. He said awful things about women. The way he describes them is, frankly, disgraceful. Um, he spent his president going through the White House, picking them up and discarding them. Now, obviously, we've had presidents that are similar to this before. We let Eisenhower's uh, problem in this area uh, slide because we figured it was one woman he fell in love with, but he couldn't figure out a way to divorce his wife, and it was a bit awkward, and yeah. But in retrospect, maybe he should have got a point or so for that. Um, but this, this is a completely different league. He, he just doesn't care about these people. There is no way he did not emotionally hurt a lot of people by doing this. Did his wife? <laughs> yeah, yeah. His wife and the other people he just used yeah. and, and just dumped. So that's not good. That is quite shameful. One here that we you can give points to or not. Uh, certainly one that annoyed me the entire time I was researching him. Um, or the silver spoons sticking out of all of his orifices. <laughs> uh, I know we've had this before with the Roosevelt's, but at least they were competent in their own right, if somewhat flawed. Yeah. Yeah, they the, he, he the, the Roosevelt's were handed things, but then they mm. did stuff with the things they were handed. Kennedy was just given the world on a platter. Isn't time after time he was mediocre in pretty much everything apart from his ability to woo women. He had charm, he had charisma, but that's about it. Mm. So that's not good. And then finally, um, he he mm. was a liar. He lied to the public a lot. He lied about what the United States were up to, but he also lied about his health. Now, again, you can debate whether this is relevant and he deserves points for, uh, but should a president lie to the public about their health? 
do the public have a right to know whether the president is fit enough to conduct his duties or not? Because he faked the medical reports, and that is lying to... Did it affect the, uh, his decision-making? Well, that is the other argument. I mean, uh, and then how far, how far down do you go? Does every teacher need to disclose mm. their medical conditions before they teach their class for the yeah. children? Yeah. Okay, so you're thinking... I, I'd, I'd probably say not. I, th- I think if it's something that could affect your decision-making, yes. Yeah. Even, for example, diabetes. I would say that should be disclosed because that can affect your mood massively. Um, yeah, but I mean, he was constantly making. taking various drugs to deal with his problems, which would have affected him. That's really challenging, actually. I don't know. Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's, 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 mm. it's like, mm. Mm, it's tricky. Um, all right. I'm going to give him, I think I'm going five. Take him minus five. Um, I, I, I'll match that. Yeah. I, I think it's minus five as well. Mm. So minus ten for him. Not doing great so far then, unfortunately. But maybe this one, this round, will uh, even things up for him. Okay, silver screen. Silver screen. For a start, he certainly looked the part. He looked a bit like a film star, or at least more like a film star than any other uh, He's president. He's a sexy boy. Yeah. Uh, and also, remember, throughout all of this, he was a very chronically ill. So you've got that added drama. I don't think I've made that clear enough in these episodes, just because if I had to stop every five minutes to say, oh, he had to go to the hospital again at this point... Um, It would just have become unwieldy. But yeah, he was very in and out of hospital his entire life. Um, Anyway, so born into an insanely rich family. He lived a life of luxury. He sailed through school, getting poor marks, but that obviously didn't matter. Uh, He travelled around Europe in the lead up to the war, so you could cover all of the build up of the war from the point of view of two young boys having a jolly. That might be interesting. Yeah. Uh, he waltzed into Harvard, didn't do much work, but that's not a problem. His name's Kennedy. And then back to Europe to write his thesis using his father's connections. This is where he tours Europe, goes into all the embassies in every single country in Europe that he can get his hands on, and really annoys the people who are trying to stop a war by saying things like, excuse me, I'd just like to have a word with what you're up to. And everyone got really annoyed. So that might be fun to cover. Excuse me, I'd like to talk to your wife. <laughs> yes. He also did a lot of skiing and a lot of um, skiing at this time. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyway, he wrote a mediocre thesis and got it published as a book using his father's connections. It won an award using his father's connections, and then he got a job in the military using his father's connections. <laughs> He went to the Pacific despite his father's connections by using his grandfather's connections, where he was a mediocre captain. Until the boat sunk, and then there was a daring escape story, which genuinely was quite interesting, and they made a film about it. So, I mean, yeah, you can go and watch it. There is a film about it. Uh, his brother died, remember, in, um, in the plane full of dynamite. Uh, and so then he becomes the, uh, the 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 boy who has to become president. His father uses all of the family wealth to make sure Kennedy becomes a force in politics. It works. Enough money is spent and enough backroom chats happen that he becomes a mediocre senator. And then more <laughs> money is spent until eventually he becomes president. And then we get this episode where we have the Bay of Pigs with the pigs. We have them singing Vienna and Vienna. We have a Cuban Missile Crisis. He talks about the moon. Someone has a dream. He's shot in the head. Interesting. Mm. I mean, it's a damn good story. It is. It's strong. It's a very strong silver screen. But 
also i feel like if you did this silver screen very honestly you'd end up really not liking him oh yeah yeah you'd either have to do what most of the public and history seems to have done which is gloss out the uh the, the really annoying yeah. parts of his character and just focus on the charm and uh, yeah. hope that that wins through or you could do something different and you could actually have the main character a fictional best friend of his who's just really annoyed the entire time <laughs> mm. maybe something like I that i mean have we been too harsh sorry make step back in the old room again mm-hmm. but he did literally stop the world being destroyed he did you could argue that is the single greatest thing any president has ever done. I would also point out... At this point in history. Jamie, that you made the same choices as him. I'm the greatest human being that's ever exactly. lived. Exactly. I mean, it's... I know it would have been hard at the time, and it would have been really tricky, but... But you've got to have the fortitude like me to just... just yes, to sit stick with it, yeah. Stick it's, to your convictions, yeah. And I definitely think there are other presidents that would have made the wrong decision... And I am giving him... But me and Kennedy, we're up there. I am giving him points for getting through the Cuban Missile Crisis. But, uh, I don't know, seven. I might go up to seven. You're right. That is a biggie. It's, it's massive. Like We're still alive because you could argue single-handedly because our lives are as they are because of him. Mm-hmm. You could argue. Yeah, but, I mean, you could argue the same about FDR and In World War Two. Um Okay, oh, no, I'll, I'll go up a point. Oh. I'll go up a point. Fourteen. Are you, are you going I'll up a point same. as yeah, well? Yeah, I'm going up the same. Okay, that's fourteen. Right, uh, back to silver screen. Right, here we are again. Okay, yes. um, yeah, I'm going high. I'm going very high. Um, I'm going to high. Yeah. I don't think I'm going quite full marks. Oh, but I think I'd give him a good eight. I think a healthy eight. Uh, I, I think I might go nine. Really? Yeah. Oh, you've got an assassination. Ooh. You've got um, you've got the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, you could do a whole series on that, couldn't you? Uh, you've yeah, got you the build-up to World War Two, so you've got all of that. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going nine. Oh, it is. Oh, it's nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that's 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 the most stylized we've seen. Now I can't remember when, but I definitely remember not giving four marks out before because I knew there was a painting coming up. Oh, look at that! This is the one. This is hands down my favorite presidential portrait. It is That's such amazing. a good painting. Um, he looks stressed. He looks like he's thinking. It's moody. It's dark. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, if you've not it seen it like before... It looks like he's in a prison toilet as well. <laughs> if you've not seen it before, it's it's Bay Brown. Um, he's got his arms crossed and he's looking down slightly to the left. You can't see his eyes. They're either shut or he's looking at the floor. And he looks stressed and in pain. Pensive. Pensive. Uh, this was painted after his death. Because they didn't mm. have a portrait, um, but, and they didn't have a plan for it, so they got someone to paint it afterwards. And obviously, yeah, it's like the country was in mourning, so they painted this to reflect that. Uh, it, it's it's a, a, a very striking and powerful image. Um, it, it looks nothing like any of the others. There is no, this is America, I've got documents, I've got a flag, I've got Roman imagery. It is a man in a suit looking sad. And for that, I, I'm giving this full marks. I really like this one. I, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Okay, so that is a full five points for Camus ability. Bonus! And terms? None. <laughs> Didn't quite make it. He nearly did. Didn't quite make it. But he gets bonus points for someone killing him. One per yeah. bullet. He gets two. <laughs> f- 
too soon. Uh, he gets two <laughs> points for assassination. So that's nice. And for election, he won, but he only scraped through. So that is a one for election. That gives him 30 points, which um, is not a bad score at all. Um, it puts him above the likes of Adams and Jefferson. Um, he doesn't mm. quite beat Madison or Monroe, but he beats pretty much everyone in the 1800s apart from Lincoln and Grant. And then obviously Roosevelt's beaten him and the other Roosevelt's beating him. But yeah, no, that's not a bad score. So you know what? It's not. Maybe I can see why he's quite often high up there. Uh, I would argue he was not mm. a great president. But I would argue he was a better president than he was anything else in his life. Yes. So if he's... He did certain things mm. that made him stand out. Yeah. So if you're going to do one thing at least slightly above average in your life, at Be least it's being a president. <laughs> so there you go. Um, got a, we've got a question. Then. We've got a question. And this, this, oh, this one, this question. Right, let's do it. Oh. American or American? Do you know, I, I, I was two-thirds of the way through this episode. I was like, I'm not... I don't want to. I really don't want to. Give it to him. But actually, the fact he prevented nuclear war... Mm. Not quite single-handedly, but... He had the, f the, the... The hesitation. I hated him by the end of the first episode. Yeah, he was an absolute dick, And he, st he still is. He's a dick. Yeah. He was a dick, He died making use of the bleep today um <laughs> sorry but the fact yeah the fact he stopped nuclear war and he put did the start pushing the, the civil rights he civil did rights as but well. i mean he certainly wasn't leading the charge there it's not like no, jfk the, the hero could, of civil rights no but he could make he was the one making the decisions because um, you don't have to be the first one to do it, but you have, you know, being the one to say, actually, yeah, that's right, and then allowing it to happen is as important, I would argue. It did also start pushing for people to go into space, which is impressive, but then that, that was not... But uh, not for the right reason. I'm yeah, not as impressed by that. I never yeah. have been. Star Trek had in his... Uh, oh, did it? <gasps> was that 66? <laughs> no, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. Yeah, 66, yeah. Mm. So no, he had nothing to do with Star Trek either. But actually, no, no. I mean, the Beatles are now out because of it. Because Beatles are around, but because of him, screw the Beatles. Um, because of him, Star Trek happened. Well, no, no, the space program started under Eisenhower. And to be fair, no one landed on the moon until '69, which is three yeah. years after Star Trek. In fact, Star Trek had finished pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think you can get credit for that. Um, <laughs> Jamie. Yeah. Tell me yes. what, what does American mean to you? Somebody that made America better and embodies the American spirit. I'm not sure, quite sure what that is because it probably depends on where you're from and your beliefs on what the American spirit is. But because I don't know what it is, I'm just saying those <laughs> words, they just come out of my mouth. I have no idea what I mean. Um, I, I think someone, if you can make your country better with a lasting impact, that makes you an American. Oh, you're interesting. And he's interesting. Everyone knows JFK. But he's interesting. Because he got killed. But maybe that's what makes him an American. To me, it's the anti-nuclear war and the, uh, the civil rights. There's I'll, an I'll give it to him just that. I think I've racism we've had through multiple presidents. Yeah. He's been the most unracist. 
Yes, and there is an argument to be said his death sped up the civil rights movement, yes. along with other, obviously, course, yeah. even more important deaths like Martin Luther King and yeah. the, the likes. Uh, but you know what? I can't believe I'm saying this after the last episode where I hated yeah. him. Mm. <sighs> Fine. You can have American. Yeah. But you, you hated Jackson. He got American as well. Oh, no, that's a very good point. That is a very good point. He, he dueled with people. Oh, yeah, no, he was an awful, awful slaves. human being. Yeah, he <laughs> was an awful human being. For goodness sake. Yeah. So. No, no, I you're right. I think forgive him. Yeah, you know what? JFK, well done for showing that there is nothing more <laughs> successful in this world than a mediocre white man. <laughs> and you have embodied that perfectly, so thank you. It is weird. It'd be interesting to, like, a... <laughs> For our patrons, uh, do a, like an in- an episode about why he's so beloved. Yeah, be no, no, Just we should do something like that. Yeah, that'd be fascinating. But there you go, thirty points, American. He he can't complain too much at that. I think he's done all right. He has. I think he's done surprisingly well. Better than he deserves. That's yeah. what he's done. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, thank you very much for listening. It is good to be back. It I really have missed, is. I'm really I've happy. really missed this. So mm. this is good. Um, if you've not heard the update episode, uh, we, we're we back, but we're not fully back up and running. I, there's no way I can promise a regular weekly schedule at the moment. Um, but things are moving in the right direction. Uh, there will be semi-regular content from now on, is the idea, up until I can get to regular content. <laughs> and thank you. Is that celebration? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Right, so thank you much. Thank you much, Barry. That's what I meant to say um, uh, for listening. Yep, yeah, and don't forget to follow us on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. whatever. Mm. You, 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 you will listen. You know what to you, do. You know, you know. And until next time, which hopefully won't be too long. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Mr. President, good to see you again! You are very chipper, considering we are on the brink of nuclear war. Oh, I know. We say brink of war, we say brink of profit. I mean, success for the United States. Anyway, you know that business like the other year with the whole Cuban thing? The Bay of Pigs. Yes, yes, we call it now the Bay of Pigs because we use... Pigs. Yes, yes, because we use pigs. Well, do you know how much expense we have spent on hiding that fact from the public? I, I, a couple of dollars, maybe. It was a lot. Millions spent covering that fact up from the public. Really? Wow! And then someone leaked the Bay of Pigs name. Who who knows who who that could have? Yeah, so you'll forgive me if I never want to hear the word pig ever again. Anyway, this is a serious situation. The Russians are building nuclear capability off the shore of Florida. We could be in nuclear war within the week. I really hope you have a good solution for me. I do, sir. And the answer is pigs. Pigs. Yes, Mark II. These are faster, more aggressive, and well-trained this time. By Mark II, are you suggesting they are new pigs?
No, no, just we spray painted the number two on the sides and uh, they have a go faster stripe on their back. But they are far more efficient, sir. Check this one out. You both want to... What? Get, get, get that... Security, get this pig out of no, there. No, 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 leave him. If you watch carefully, he will go into a, a meditative state. No, you're right. This is him preparing, sir. Okay. So when we drop the pigs... You're dropping the pigs this time. Yes, sir. When we drop the pigs, this is what they will do. What? Sit staring into the distance with their legs crossed? Yes. This is them preparing, sir. This is them analysing the situation. Look at Leroy. Look at him. You've named him? I've named him Leroy, yes. Look at Leroy. Okay. He stares. Look how he stares. He is staring. And he's just staring at you. He's solving the problem. What problem? Because the problem is the Soviets have nuclear silos off the coast of Florida. Oh, no, he's not solving that problem, sir. He's not trained to do that. What is he trained to do, then? He is trained to infiltrate Castro's very government and infiltrate from the inside. <laughs> How? Well, that's what his training will, 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 will no, do. No, please take me through the steps here. You're going to fly the pigs over Cuba. Yes. You're going to drop them. They're very bouncy. I can see the start point of the plan, and you tell me the end point is infiltration of the Cuban government. I'm struggling to connect the dots. It's with this, sir. The fake moustache. Oh, wow. Now, that is a quite an impressive spy moustache, now you say. And this? Is... Is that a newspaper with eye holes cut out? It is indeed, sir. You know what? It's worth a shot. Okay. It's a go for Operation Flight of Pigs. Yes! Yes! Let's hope this one works better. It won't. <laughs>